That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. At that moment, Harry fully understood for the first time why people said Dumbledore was the only wizard Voldemort had ever feared. The look upon Dumbledore's face as he stared down at the unconscious form of Mad-Eye Moody was more terrible than Harry could ever have imagined. There was no benign smile upon Dumbledore's face, no twinkle in the eyes behind the spectacles. There was cold fury in every line of the ancient face, a sense of power radiated from Dumbledore as though he were giving off burning heat. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way the story and its themes have stayed with the generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about today. Chapter 35, Veritaserum. So we just really get the whole story in this chapter. It's the whole, it's the, it's everything you've been waiting for. So I'll just let you hear it for yourself. Sit tight, grab a drink. I hope you went potty during the theme song because Barty Crouch Jr. is a talker. Welcome to the restricted section where nothing is what it seems. (laughs) I'm your host, Christina. I'm sort of overwhelmed. By all of the information that we learned in this chapter, but I know I'm going to be okay because I am with my hyper-focused friend, Haley. Say hello to the listeners, Haley. Hello, listeners. I'm Haley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm freaking stoked because our special guest today is Zach from Belated Binge. Say hello to the listeners, Zach. Hi. How are you? All of you. Doing so good. Yes. (laughs) Listeners, respond now. How are we doing? Okay, good, good. Great. So, Zach, uh, what are your pronouns for starters? He, him, his? Did I say that right? I'm still still getting used to that being a question that is asked of me. So I, like, make sure I actually respond correctly. (laughs) Like, what order does it go in? (laughs) Right. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, Belated Binge. The idea of the podcast was birthed from my past life, which was spent in small town radio. Uh, I loved being a radio host. I loved having a microphone in front of my face. I loved paying my bills more. So I went and got a real job. And for almost a decade, I thought I'd love to do a podcast. And so it was time to figure out how to do a podcast. Um, And I also have a lifelong habit of literally missing out on pretty much everything popular and good. Uh, I come around super late to everything so (laughs) that's your brand (laughs) exactly uh for example i'm covering harry potter currently on my podcast which is undoubtedly how you learned of my existence and i am literally the same exact age as movie harry like in the movie canon Uh, oh nice down to like days apart so somebody else can do that math uh yet (laughs) i didn't actually finish the series until my mid-20s Mm-hmm. So now I'm 
I've done it. I'm now I'm going back, you know, a lot like you, a chapter or two at a time and just saying whatever comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of things do come to mind. They do. And they do. Yeah. And something that I'm so impressed about um, on Belated Binge is that you have episodes where it's just you, which is like something I cannot imagine. <laughs> it is most of the episodes to yeah, this point. Yeah, <laughs> like what I cannot imagine, uh, like how organized your mind must be to be able to just like talk to yourself for a whole episode. <laughs> like that's wild. I have to take a lot of notes. I do. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, peek behind the curtain. That's also why I have segments in the show mm. so that it can keep me like organized so that I'm kind of filling a very similar format each time. Like obviously yeah. it's not the same show over and over again, but the, you know, it flows similarly each time and it keeps me on track. I'm not literally just rambling to myself <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. That's like dangerous territory. If you're like, well, I'm just going to go and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that was my intro episode and it is quite the ramble fest. <laughs> here, here are my raw ass thoughts. Enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. If you're going to go listen to it afterwards, you are greatly welcome to might want to start with the chapter episodes. <laughs> I, I think it's a given that any podcast, you, you it's just wrong to judge them by their first episode. That same Is that the one I was so thinking so of? I think best. that might have actually been the one that I was thinking oh, of that got me. So, so, so are we saying that really at his core? He's a Viking. So Zach, what Hogwarts house are you? According to Muggle... Uh, no, what Potter No More, I think is what uh, Mugglecast has been calling it. Potter No More. Oh, is, uh, that's so funny. What the fuck? I've never <laughs> heard of that. Uh, according oh. to that, I was a Ravenclaw, which makes sense, right? Like, who's a nerd enough to do a podcast about a book? A freaking Ravenclaw. Yes, we do attract a lot of Ravenclaws here. I did get Gryffindor one time. I took the test three times. I wanted to see if I could manipulate it, and I could. So I got Gryffindor the time I tried to get Gryffindor, and then I took mm. it again just because I was bored at work one day. And <laughs> two out of three, I got Ravenclaw, so I figured that must be true. I like it. I guess. And do you, do you feel it in your heart? I really don't care. <laughs> that's a super valid answer. <laughs> well, because I like like I said, I didn't read I didn't like read the series cover to cover via audiobook because for the love of god i can't mm -hmm. just sit and read uh, a lot of pages right and i was <laughs> in my mid-20s like i didn't i didn't grow up um feeling attached to the houses in the same yeah. way that somebody that literally grew up with the series does so when i got it i was like oh i didn't expect that i don't think i'm that smart but sure that's a thing <laughs> I didn't start introducing myself to people as like, hi, I'm Zach. I'm a Ravenclaw. Oh, my God. That's like such a specific energy that's only acceptable <laughs> in like certain environments. It's like conventions <laughs> and nowhere else. Conventions <laughs> and no, And this very podcast. Right. Mm -mm. Right. <laughs> well, we're so glad you're here. We're, we're always so happy to make new uh, like nerd friends. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, I'm stoked. I'm super happy that you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very you excited. can tell that I've been watching, uh, I've been catching up on last week tonight because my welcomes come in threes. You know how he, <laughs> he starts his episodes with, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Again, one of those things that I would have to wait a decade and do a podcast over because I don't know what it is. It's about current <laughs> events. You're going to really be, miss some shit. That would be 
so fucking funny to cover a current events show 10 years from now. Just, just reliving the late 2010s <laughs> and early 20s. Uh, what did I hear? I think it's p- part of the Ringer, uh, the Ringer podcast network. I think they're doing that. They're doing like a 2000s tabloid Whoa. podcast. And that like, is a great concept. I think they said that, I think the way they describe it is um, they're telling the story of a decade through the trash that we all like took in or something like that. I'm you like, know, that's really good. That's super <laughs> valid because like I've been reading about archaeology a lot lately and mm-hmm. one of the most useful sources, yes, she says, trying not to sound annoyed. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the most useful sources for archaeologists are midden heaps, which are basically like what ancient people, like their trash can. Like where they mm-hmm. threw all the of their, dump. yeah, like the dump <laughs> basically, and they'll just like dig through ancient trash and be like, "This is how people were living." That is very uh, noble of them. And I guess it's probably like better than contemporary trash because it's at least like petrified and yeah, uh, well, and, and not like not actively right because it's all going to be like bones <laughs> or like broken pottery stuff yeah. like that. Mm. Like it's. You know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, okay. Well, we need to get down to business because today we are covering chapter 35 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Veritaserum. And am I pronouncing that the same way y'all would pronounce that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Veritaserum. Yeah, I would never do it like that. <laughs> I've been listening to the Jim Dale audiobook, which I, I've never listened mm. to any of the Harry Potter audiobooks before, actually, until um, this book. Um, and he is extremely dramatic. And he, he is. He, I just love the way he says, Avada Kedavra. And I'm like, oh, my God, it is not even a Spanish word. Why are we doing that? That's how I read the quote unquote air quotes on reading. That's how I read the series through. I was uh, I would do it when I was doing like mundane tasks Mm -hmm. at my uh, job that I was like, let's just say marketing data nerd stuff. Okay. okay. And um, I but I was doing it through YouTube before they would get pulled down for copyrights. So I was like bouncing back and forth on all these different channels. Some would be Jim Dale. Some would be Stephen Fry. It was a complete mixed bag. But I got through the whole series. And then all of those channels just started to die. (laughs) (laughs) So you did it in the nick of time. (laughs) I did. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. I'm lucky enough that, I mean, the Harry Potter audiobooks are like $40 a piece. So I'm lucky enough that I get to rent them through my library, uh, my library app, (laughs) (laughs) or else I could never afford them. I tried. I went to go buy them because I run this podcast and Mm -hmm. um, they like don't count as like your monthly credit on Audible or Libro FM because they're so valuable. Mm. So I got them from my library instead, and that's probably for the best anyway, because we don't like giving money to Voldemort. <laughs> You're the first that I've heard call her that, though, by the way. That's, like, patented to this podcast. Yes, I'm so glad. Hell and shout yeah. out to our friend Taylor, who invented that 100 years ago, and we will never, ever, ever let it die. That's just, <laughs> that's just her name now. <laughs> okay, so everyone just, like, fucking brace yourself for this chapter. Yeah. Uh, just serum. <laughs> The begin we we start <laughs> with me sobbing because it's just so the first like couple minutes of this chapter are, are a fucking nightmare. Harry has just port keyed B- 
back to outside of like the maze, the third task maze, and he slams back to reality. He's like flat on the ground. He's clutching the cup. He's clutching Cedric's dead body. And he's like in shock and he doesn't move. And he's just face down in the grass, listening and like feeling 1,000 people watching him, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Oh my God. As I was reading this, I was like, thank God. They don't show in the book Amos Diggory at all. Uh, no. Uh, you actually care in the movie, too. Because in the yeah. movie, he sucks a hell of a lot less. But in the book, he kind of sucks. So it's hard to feel for him so much outside of the fact that, like, his kid just died. Right, exactly. Um, so Harry's just, like, face down in the grass. Honestly, big same. Like, that's exactly what I would be doing. Like, I'm just going to stay right here until someone comes there, to get me. There are certain moments in life where that's the only option. I'm just going to go face down until I feel different. Like, have you guys ever, like, injured yourself badly? And you can, all you can do is just, for, for like, ten full seconds, you're just laying there like, am I alive? Okay, yes. Yeah. I'm injured. This isn't good. Is this going to be okay? I don't know. Should I stay here? I don't I, know. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, I had a short stint of my life where I raced motocross. Oh, my God. And I was not good. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> falling from really, really tall heights in the air. Yes, I've been in that position. Trying to do wow. backflips, like, on accident. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I, yes, that pain is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what that sounds like. <laughs> Haley, what about you? I, I I don't often get physically injured, but she's an indoor girl. I am mm. an indoor girl. Um, but I have been dealt emotional blows <laughs> that <laughs> rendered me in kind of that state. Just like I'm, just I. This isn't a time to be standing up. You <laughs> right. know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely, I mean, not to get too deep, but like for sure, grief is one of those emotions that where where it's like, oh, I have to be bent in half right now. Yep. I can't. <laughs> but for me personally, I uh, in college, I injured both my knees separately uh, in longboarding accidents. <laughs> I should have quit after the first one, but I just really wanted to make sure both of them were down for the count. Um and the first time that I hurt my knee, I ate shit. My board came out from under me in the middle of a crosswalk, like a very busy crosswalk on my college campus. And I just kind of like laid there for a second and people came like running at me and they were like, are you okay? And I, I was in so much pain that I was like, yeah, leave me alone. Um, just go away. <laughs> and they were like, you're in the middle of the road, babe. We got to go. <laughs> So they got me to the side of the road and I was very mean to all of them because I was so embarrassed and I was in so much pain. I was like, leave, please leave. <laughs> um, so shout out to all those people who helped me that day. And that one guy who ran into traffic to get my longboard. <laughs> did the longboard survive? It did. Uh, my knees did not. No, they're fine. I'm fine. Um, so Harry's face down on the grass. Dumbledore grabs him and like flips him over and is like, hey, babe, it's okay. I, no, I see. I see what's happening, but like you're okay. Like, <laughs> hello, are, are you? You're, you're are in you the responsive? road. You're in the road. <laughs> 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 
Voldemort like won't no Voldemort (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter the opposite of Voldemort well he's got one seventh of Voldemort this is one seventh of Voldemort along with Harry (laughs) he won't let go of Cedric it feels important to him to like make sure that he like I think is like completing Cedric's final wish to be like delivered back to his parents but with his free hand, he grabs Dumbledore's wrist and says, he's back. Voldemort. Yeah. Dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do and you say here? I, I, I <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Shit. I, I think the only acceptable reaction is, and that's it. That That's all you can do. <laughs> That yeah. is the acceptable reaction. I, I feel like the like the only thing Dumbledore specifically could say in this moment is like based on context clues. Yeah, I kind of figured, um, but that's not <laughs> what Harry needs to hear right now. Right, that's a dick move. Right. Dumbledore doesn't have time um, to respond because stupid Cornelius Fudge's stupid <sighs> little head pokes in, and he's like, "What's going on? What happens? By God, degrees." Dead! And he like screams yeah. into the he screams into the masses. Yeah. And everyone in the crowd is like, what the fuck? Cedric Diggory's dead. Did you hear? Cedric Diggory! Wait, who's dead? Cedric Diggory. He's dead? He's dead. Who's dead? Cedric Diggory. <laughs> the Fucking... worst game of telephone ever. Oh, yes. God. Cornelius Fudge is not the leader for like, a time of crisis. I am inserting no. myself into this situation. Hello, I'm here to make everything worse. <laughs> it's quite a fucking uh, Gilderoy Lockhart energy. Ugh. But not um, hot. But, not even hot. Right. <laughs> so can I ask a question? Please um, do. Of, of you two? Because maybe you can make sense of this from a writing perspective that I cannot. But the whole... I've always kind of wondered... This whole, like, bringing Cedric's body back, and then the combination with Fudge, this is all just so that we can set up the mistrust from the Ministry, right? Like, we needed the proof that Cedric actually died, right? but we needed it to just be Harry's word as to how and why, so that they could try to discredit him for Mm -hmm. the story moving forward. Like, that's the whole purpose of this, right? There's no... Because there's no other logical explanation of, oh, I need to get the hell out of this situation before I'm murdered and I have to bring this limp, lifeless body with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I agree that it's not like a very good uh, use of <laughs> Harry's time as he's trying to escape <laughs> certain death. The, I mean, the only thing is that, like, Cedric was, like, take my body back. And, like, I'm sure Cedric's ghost <laughs> was, was like, damn, that is a really big ask for Harry. But at the same time, like, I think that it's the only way to give my parents closure, yeah. you know, is to, like, take my body back. You know, I think, uh, like, it's definitely not the logical move, right. but right. I, I can understand it because... In, like, that kind of a moment, things become important in ways that, like, you can't really explain. So, like, it, like in the movie, I I think that I, there's a line where Harry's like, I couldn't leave him there. I couldn't leave him there. Because, like, yeah, yeah he knows yeah. he knows logically that Cedric is dead. But, like, this is, like, 20 minutes ago, Cedric was still alive. So he, like, can't let go. And he he could never live with himself if he left... Cedric's body with these people. Yeah. 
or or like I don't know which is worse, like Cedric's body being with the Death Eaters or Cedric's body being in a random muggle graveyard, perhaps to never be recovered. You know what I mean? They're both terrible fates. They're terrible fates. But uh, the only part that I would like, we know what graveyard it is. Uh, yeah, I guess we could very easily find the grave. Here. Right, like Harry could be like, it was Tom Riddle's grave. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we can go get the kids, the kid back from Yeah, I guess you're spot, right. I suppose. Also, like, that would probably you know, be the like, logical well, thing. Well, I, like, I don't like, think he's uh, thinking things through that thoroughly. Right. And if he was thinking things through to that extent, then the next step in logic is, oh, wait, I if no one knows that he's back um, except for me, then he's going to hide Cedric's body slash uh, like destroy that's it fair. and he like yeah. doesn't he he doesn't want to give yeah he, he doesn't okay. want to give them that yeah okay yeah. that makes a heck of a lot more sense way more sense here's the real question if you're harry in the graveyard zach do you do you take the body if i know that it's going to work out the same way that it does in the movie <laughs> it like accidentally like works he, out so well well like because he it's almost like it was a drawn-up plan like, I grew up in sports, and so it's almost like they called timeout right before it happened. They drew up the X's <laughs> and O's. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to throw a distraction. Right. And then you're going to run from behind this gravestone. You're going to jump on top of Cedric's body, and you're going to Accio the portkey slash cup with you. And if that, like, if I know it's going to work out that way, sure. I will give you your request, Cedric. But I think in that moment, I'm going, how the hell do I get to that portkey Right. And then I got to carry the body with me? Like, I just what? had I just had a beautiful vision of Harry's like, "Okay, I need to do this." And fucking Oliver Wood walks into the scene <laughs> and is like, "Hold, hold time out. Time out. Toot toot on his little whistle. Time out. Time out." And then he goes over behind the gravestone. He's covering his mouth like they do on NFL, and he's like, "Okay, Harry, I took the liberty of drawing up some diagrams for you." <laughs> Voldemort's trying to interrupt. He's like, sir, 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 I'm going to need you to stand at least 15 feet away. <laughs> sir, please, I'm trying to talk to my seeker. <laughs> coach, where's the coach? <laughs> oh, I am uh, the coach. Shit, okay. shit, shit. Where's shit. the referee? <laughs> Who's in charge here? He's Haley, say another <laughs> sports word. I Golf? I don't know. I don't know sports. <laughs> Okay. Good. No, you you're, you did great. You're done. Um. So Harry is still in total shock. He's like muttering um stuff. Dumbledore makes Harry let go of Cedric. It, it really is absolute chaos. There's he he's not having many like uh like sight. Usually a lot of description that we get in books is like sight, but a lot of what he's doing right now is like exactly what you feel like when you're having like a panic attack or something is it's all like vibrations and sound you know and it's just like my brain is so full right now and like and all of these things feel like they're building up to something like yeah. like everything like it's like a pot that's about to boil over right like this, this crowd this, this crowd does not end with everyone politely filing back to school no like you hear <laughs> like you hear people arguing about like what to do with Harry in this moment because Harry's just like I don't fucking I, I can't I can't move mm-hmm. under my own power I don't know what to do right now and then you've got like Dumbledore Amos Diggory's running he's coming over and like you just <sighs> know that this is almost worse than the movie for me 
Like yes. the movie oh, has like swelling orchestra orchestrals, it, and it feels it's very like dramatic, very but it's closure. cinematic. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it gives yes. you closure. This is like, oh Christ, this man is about to have the worst possible moment that anyone could ever have. It's like intercept him. Like go, someone go. Yeah, like, that's what they're talking about. Like, someone's got to say something before he comes over and sees. He's undoubtedly already hearing this entire crowd playing the world's worst game of telephone, as we established. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait, which Diggory's dead? I'm here. My wife's here. Oh, shit. It is is definitely the line, Dumbledore. This is fudge. Dumbledore, Amos Diggory's running. He's coming over. Don't you think you should tell him before he sees? And, like, that... That's when I start sobbing. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. But this is this is Fudge's incompetence. Dumbledore, you should know what to do. Dumbledore, right. you yes. take care of this. Dumbledore, I, don't, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He's like, uh, I'm not actually on your. This is your jurisdiction, Dumbledore. I'm at your school. So you need to. <laughs> can you imagine if they pass Diggory on to Fudge and he's like weeping and Fudge has to be like, there, there. <laughs> they're there. They're there. Ugh. And like, it's just so frustrating because Dumbledore is very preoccupied with the reality of Harry and Cedric right now. And a, if Fudge was a real leader, he would be like, Dumbledore, uh, Amos Degree is coming over. I'm going to go get him. Straight yeah. up, you are already de- you're already doing something. It's like how if someone's uh, like injured or some or sick, and you're performing first aid or like CPR. You're not also the person who calls nine one one. You need like someone else to be calling nine one one. And you need yeah. to like point at that person. Like yep. like if there's a crowd of people around, you can't just say someone call nine one. Like you have to, to you have to fucking delegate. Like, if to Amos, look at yeah. one person, be like you call nine one one. Yeah. If Dumbledore was a different kind of person, like for example me, this would have I would have responded and said. Cornelius Fudge, you go get that man right now. I'm fucking busy. Yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) someone should tell him. Someone (laughs) should definitely go tell him before he sees Cornelius. There's no indication that Fudge is going to do anything else helpful after this. He just kind of disappears from the scene. Mm. Yeah. Very frustrating. Well, he's the worst. We know this. He is the worst. It's like, so I was thinking about how, like, in this book, it's so wild because, like, there's no villain for the whole book until he, Voldemort comes back. And then it's like, our big bad villain is back. And then in the next chapter, it's like, oh, shit, the real villain <laughs> was Barty Crouch, Mad-Eye Moody. And then in the next chapter, it's like, fuck, the real villain is the fucking wizard president. What the Jesus. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of villains coming out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's the, you would think, though, like... When you think about the crescendo of the ser- of like, holy shit, our main Voldemort villain is be- like, that's what would be the main thing. But no, now we're getting like 76 villains all at once. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, where did all of you come from? Like- we have so many villains that there isn't even enough time to wonder if Snape is a villain right now. Is there a hero <laughs> left? Is there a single person that's not a villain? It truly McGonagall, she's very helpful in this. <laughs> she's doing her best. Uh, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Someone grabs Harry and like takes him away. Clunk. Clunk. Yep. Clunk. Yep. It's that's got to be one of the best written like suspense. Yeah. Things without specifically saying Moody walked him away. It's clunk. yeah. The whole thing. 
because of what I described, the fact that there's almost no vision input during this whole yeah. scene where they're walking away, it's audio and like it's like it's like auditory input and Harry having like vague like clunk clunk clump up the marble stairs, clunk 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 along the corridor. It's like that input and that interpretation is like all his brain can do right now. He's like, I hear this sound. We're in this place. Okay. And for us as the reader, we're going, where the hell are we going? Like, where are we going to end up here? This is um such a cool chapter to read. Like this section right here is so cool to read knowing what happens because like there are clues. Like you, if you're paying attention, like you can tell what's coming. Uh, and like the biggest clue is that Mad-Eye Moody is, like, grilling Harry about what has happened. Yeah. And he calls Voldemort the Dark Lord, which is yeah. something that only his followers call him. Oh, my God, I have chills. That's when you know shit's about to go sideways. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, go ahead, Haley. It just, uh, it, it just keeps feeling a little bit wrong just the right. whole time. Yeah. Like, it, because- it doesn't set you off, but you're just, mm-hmm. you've got red flags. You can't, you're not even fully yeah. aware of them on your first read through, but you're just like, something... What's up with Moody? Something doesn't seem right. Yeah, absolutely. Because if this w- if if this was like the real Mad Eye Moody, who was like the person he's pretending to be this whole year, he would be like, "Come on, dude, we're gonna get you some fucking whiskey. We're gonna sit yeah. down. We're gonna talk about this. Like, don't." But this, he's like so preoccupied with like not what happened to Harry, but like what happened to Voldemort. He's yeah. like. He's like, what happened with Voldemort? Like, oh, the Dark Lord got his body back. He's returned. You dueled with the Dark Lord. And like Harry, the only reason, I don't know if he gives him like a pepper up potion or something um, that like kind of brings him back to his senses a little bit. Uh, Oh, yeah, it does actually say peppery taste. So I think it is a pepper up potion, which they use to cure like common cold and stuff. Yeah, I don't even think like you need it like medicinally. It's just I, this is something I read recently that like, if you're having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, a good way to kind of snap yourself out of it is to just fully bite into a lemon. Oh, because like yeah, the shock, shock uh, surprises you out of your spiral, and that's interesting. You, you huh. can kind of think more clearly. It's like scaring the hiccups out of someone. Yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> of people doing the same thing with like radishes, just anything startling. Um, or a good slap to the face is like a very classic. <laughs> I actually like love that trope. Um, like obviously it's not great when there's a hysterical woman and the doctor is like, medically, I must slap you. But it, <laughs> I was I was reading um I was reading uh and then there were none by Agatha Christie recently. Um and there is a moment where one of the women is like hysterically crying and she just gets a slap across the face and she was she's like, Thanks, no thanks, I feel better now, and I just love that. How messed up is that book, by the way? No, I, we, <laughs> so messed Completely up. We don't jacked. have time. We don't have Good time. Lord. Uh, uh, where, what do we uh, have? Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, the pepper up potion, like I said before, like the real Mad-Eye Moody would have been like, here's some bourbon. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> same basic principle. Mm-hmm. Fire whiskey. Yeah. That's what it is in this world, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I, I just imagine is fireball. Yeah, spicy. Yeah. Fair. 
so they're in Maddie Moody's office and Harry, like after he takes this pepper up potion, he suddenly remembers that there's a death eater at Hogwarts. Zero percent on guard against this person who just abducted him. Well, he's <laughs> makes sure to tell the first adult he sees <laughs> as soon as he remembers. He's, he's like, oh, my God, Professor Moody, there's a death eater at Hogwarts. And Maddie Moody is like, yep, there sure is. Yeah, I know who it is. But even the wording up to that, it's you could still you see you feel it escalating. You yeah. feel like this is not right. There's something weird. Ha- but it's not just like blatant smack you in the face. Oh, this dude. Not only is it not, you know, this dude's not who he seems, but literally like. Is this dude like bad? Is is this yeah. like not good? And it kind of builds towards it rather than just being a total shock. And yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, here's the reveal. I mean, the whole the whole thing, it, yeah. the whole confession just keeps building and building and building. Like there's there's a disconnect up until this point in the conversation where it's like they're having two different conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. are. But like the first time you ever read this, I just remember being blown away by this chapter the first time I yeah. my mom read it to me. Cause of course. It was, it was like, I didn't see any of this coming. It's so no. convoluted. How could you? And <laughs> so I'm sitting there like with theories, you know, I'm sitting there like, is it Snape? Has it like have we been getting faked out over and over and over this whole time only for it to actually be Snape? And like, she never stopped wondering that for the rest of her life. God damn it. <laughs> I, but like the, these are literally two different conversations going on. And even before yeah. you know that for a fact, you feel the disconnect and it yeah. makes the yeah. whole conversation feel it's so unsettling. unbalanced and unsettling. Yes, it is unsettling. I mean, this this chapter I think is a really good example of how the woman who wrote this is a very skillful storyteller, but at the same time, she's a bad writer. And there's a line I'm going to read when we get to it. That's like, that's just bad writing. That's actually (laughs) God awful writing. But, but the way that this scene unfolds is so masterful. Yeah. And like, even down to like, um, I'm looking right here at the line where Mad-Eye Moody is like talking about the Death Eaters. And he says, how did he treat them? Did he forgive them? And that is like, I think the first like red instead of Lightful. orange flag. Yep. But, but that's when Harry's like, oh, fuck, there's a Death Eater. There's a Death Eater here. <laughs> so we don't even have time to think about it. We're already moving on from the red flag. So it's like, yeah. it's constantly just like making you uneasy with the situation and then like distracting you because Harry's so distracted right now. Mm-hmm. I know who the death eater is. He said quietly. And then Harry's like, Karkaroff? Like, did you get him? <laughs> and Mad Eye Moody's like, it's not fucking Karkaroff. At this point, do you even remember that Karkaroff exists? At this well, point in the story, like he said that he's like Karkaroff and I'm like, oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. a character. <laughs> so I, I have a couple questions about this. Um, first things first, um, it, Karkaroff fled tonight when he felt the dark mark burn upon his arm. He betrayed too many faithful supporters of the Dark Lord to wish to meet them, but I doubt he will get far. The Dark Lord has ways of tracking his enemies. Two things. One, that's a bummer because Karkaroff <laughs> could have gone to Dumbledore and been like, hey man, my scars, no, not my scar. The other thing, my tattoo's burning. It's bad. I'm a little freaked out. Uh, I really don't want to go back to them. Can I maybe have your protection? <laughs> and Dumbledore would have been like, yeah, dude, of course. Go stand over there with Snape. You guys have a lot in common. 
he needs a friend. He's like a cat that I've been keeping indoors for too long without another cat around. So it's just sad that Karkaroff like flees because I don't think he can protect himself if Voldemort comes for him. He can't, but he lasts a while. We so learn in the next book, like he did better than people essentially would have thought. Okay, that was going to be my next question. So do, he does come up again. I don't remember that. Yeah, he does. They say. Um, I don't remember where, but he definitely. It definitely is confirmed that he's killed in like book yeah, five. I yeah, I think I think he makes it. Um, I think they state that he makes it like a year. Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. So I don't remember that they like confirmed that. And I was like, is this the mm-hmm. last time we ever hear about him? And he's just presumed dead. No, we we get one mention. It was. Um, and I think I think is it in the um, is it in book five or is no, it book five? I think or it's six? in book six. I think it's in book six, like at the beginning where um, they say, like, yeah, yeah. Karkarov was found dead or whatever like he made it like a year (laughs) yeah it has to be one of the scenes where Mm -hmm. like harry is dreaming in like voldemort or like one of the scenes where it's just from that perspective oh yeah yep i'm on harrypotter.fandom.com which is the resource i tend to go to for this stuff and he his death date as listed as between (laughs) today the day of the third task and harry's birthday next year so they give him yeah. uh approximately 13 a 13 month window that he perhaps dies in yeah because so. i i think it is i think it's during this because it was in the summer it was in that like before school period yeah uh you know right maybe so. it's like a article that they found his body or something i don't know it's it's yeah, confirmed okay. that's the extent of my knowledge okay well we'll find that later i think it's right before the will oh okay and okay. that stuff starts to go down with our new minister. Of, yeah, you could be right. Yeah. With the, you know, threatening of the, you know, youths <laughs> with wands and. Yeah, yes. yeah, that feels correct. And exactly how someone in that position should act. But we're not in that chapter today. <laughs> we're not in that chapter today. Great segue. <laughs> Thank you so much. All of these adults are always so responsible for, for children. Really, really good. Really good. So... Harry's like, Karkaroff's gone, what, but didn't he put my name in the goblet? And Moody says, no, Moody said, uh, said Moody slowly, no, he didn't. It was I who did that. And here's the thing. You don't have to tell Harry any of this. Mm-mm. He actually doesn't need to know. Mm-mm. But villain monologues are extremely dramatic and... Barty Crouch Jr. is a wizard. We've established wizards are all about the drama. He has to do this. He can't not. We're doing first a consensual villain monologue and then a non-consensual villain monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Harry heard but didn't believe. No, you didn't, he said. You didn't do that. You can't have done. I assure you I did, said Moody. His magical eye swung around and fixed upon the door. Um, blah, blah, blah. Moody drew out his wand and pointed it at Harry. He forgave them then, he said. The Death Eaters who went free. The ones who escaped Azkaban. Next line is the best line. What? Said Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you speak English? (laughs) English, motherfucker, do you speak it? (laughs) I mean, this is the shock, right? This is Harry going, I 
don't understand anything that's happening to me right now. He's that meme of the blonde, like, math girl who's like, you know, you know what I mean? With, like, yes. all the graphs. It's like, like whoa, what? what? And, and that's how you feel the first time you ever read this. Like, hey, no, no, huh? no. <laughs> this what? was a bad joke. It had to be. And then, like, Moody's getting, like, it's a, he's speaking quietly, and he's like, I asked you whether he forgave the scum who never even went to look for him. Those treacherous cowards who couldn't even brave Azkaban for him. The faithless, worthless bits of filth who were brave enough to cavort in masks at the Quidditch World Cup, but fled at the sight of the dark mark when I fired it into the sky. What? You fired the dark mark <laughs> into the sky? What are you talking about? Say what again? Say what again, motherfucker? I dare you. I double dare you. Say what one more goddamn time? <laughs> and that's kind of like the tipping point. And he's like, I will, I will proclaim all now. <laughs> and I bet you're wondering how I got away with it. <laughs> He's like, literally, Harry, you piece of shit. I told you that if there's one thing I hate more than any other, it's a Death Eater who walked free. You dumb idiot. That There's two ways of looking at that. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. So he's mad that Voldemort didn't torture his followers who didn't do as much as he did. I get it. You want extra credit. Daddy issues. Whatever. Yeah. Um, He talks about that. Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. Where is that? It, it's something about I, I'll be dearer to him than a son. I think it's toward the end of the consensual monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll yeah, get there then. Yeah. As I was listening to this, who put your name in the Goblet of Fire under the name of a different school? And the fact that he's, like, phrasing this as questions, I could just picture Harrow being like, I don't know! Like, I don't <laughs> fucking been, know! I've been wondering that for the, the whole book! I was, the whole book! I thought I was exempt from exams this year! <laughs> Who frightened off every person I thought might try to hurt you or prevent you from winning the tournament? And it's like, well, you already used an I pronoun in that sentence, so I guess it was you, buddy. <laughs> Who nudged Hagrid into showing you the dragons? I did. Who helped you see the only way you could beat the dragons? I did. And this is, it's just, it's structured so performatively. He should be pacing with a cape. Like, he's so dramatic. Trauma! <laughs> well, in this thing, too, like, can we just, just for a second, uh, give recognition to the fact that this whole plan is a house of cards just ready to completely crumble at any moment and this dude is like practically manic mm -hmm. he's a complete lunatic how did he keep this whole thing <laughs> he's been doing Ow. improv for a year straight you'd be insane at the end of it too <laughs> he's also um, he's also been teaching like a full course load <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> And apparently good at it because everybody loves his class. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Just a brief segue. I am fascinated by every implication of Barty Crouch Jr. as a character because, like, yeah. I want to know what's going on in his head. Like, I, I don't understand half the shit he does. Like, right. getting dragged I to Azkaban and, like, screaming and, like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and then... 
this whole thing of like, I'm the most loyal ever. Like, I seem to recall you screaming and crying. So either you're an amazing <laughs> actor and were even in that moment, or that was the moment that you snapped and decided Voldemort's my daddy. Now I don't care if he's dead. I think that um, like David Tennant is is part of like what tips. I mean, the, the your second option, it's like David Tennant's Barty Crouch Jr. can only be like a an unhinged villain. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Who has snapped yeah. in prison. Um, whereas if they had cast someone else, it, it may be different. It, like, it's just he's... He seems more innocuous in the book. Like if yeah. you if you're going yeah. to cast David Tennant, like unhinged villain is one of like three typecasts that David Tennant does and does well. Like it's, <laughs> right, yeah. Like he's really good at that. I think probably like my experience watching him in like Doctor Who makes me like trust him more. You know, yeah, that's one of his other typecasts is like yeah. d- like delightful trust like his Doctor persona, and then yeah. there's uh like his Crowley uh persona from. Good omens. Right. And then there's hot. This all three dude. of them. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, no, they're all hot. But like his unhinged <laughs> villain thing is like, you're just unhinged for the sake of being unhinged. Whereas like the book character, like when he gets arrested, like in the movie, it's like, hello, father. <laughs> hello, father. Like he's yeah, already right. <laughs> at that level. <laughs> and like in the book, he's like a teenager. He's like a like a dumb QAnon like teenager that got radicalized on the internet and right. joined this hate group to get back yeah. at his dad and then got actually radicalized when his dad was like, well, then fuck you and sent him to prison. And as a reminder, it canon, it is not clear if he actually played any part in torturing Neville's parents. That's what he was arrested and imprisoned for, but there was literally no evidence. That's true, and it's never confirmed. It's never, ever confirmed. I just, I have so many questions about this Yeah, yeah. As long as he's not doing the tongue thing, I don't care who they cast. (laughs) They had to give us a a hint for us movie idiots to... Yeah. (laughs) It's worth noting that, like, as I mentioned, this is when he's like, I'm, fuck it, I'm doing the monologue, I'm doing the monologue, and he, like, stops watching the door with his magic eye. Yeah, that doesn't... (sighs) That's weird to me, um, simply because he just did it. You know what I mean? Like if the He's, if it hadn't been called out that he had just been checking it, so you know he was cognizant of it. It's almost like he's coming unhinged yeah. in this moment and forgetting to look. Like he's just getting too worked up, and it's like, yeah, you were able to hold your shit for like a year. But that's the classic. <laughs> like, that's the classic villain monologue every time, though, isn't it? Like right. he's. Because bad guy. Well, he thinks he's safe. He thinks like, oh, well, the plans already worked. Like even most villain monologues, it'll be like, while James Bond is tied up hanging over a pool of sharks or whatever. Dr. Evil, it's about the sharks. When you were frozen, they were put on the endangered species list. We tried to get some, but it would have taken months to clear up the red tape. And they'll be like, well, I can't, I I haven't pulled off the plan just yet, but I'm going to in three minutes. Here's the timer counting down. So I might as well tell you everything. I want yeah. a James Bond movie where Haley is the villain. Oh my God. I would, I would do it. I would do it. I, I would, I think I would be a really interesting Bond villain, actually. I think so too. I would wear this exact cardigan. 
<laughs> so like Barty Crouch Jr. is sitting here like, all right, well, the plan already worked. Like I sent him like the only thing that hasn't worked is that Harry Potter isn't dead. But like my master's back confirmed. So I can't lose. I checked the door. No one's outside the door. And then like, that's where he's like, I don't need to worry about this. I'm just going to keep spiraling out. And every single time in the villain monologue, as soon as you start spiraling out and getting mm-hmm. a little too braggy mm-hmm. about all the shit you pulled off, that's that's when it blows up in your face. Yep. And you've lost your constant vigilance. Right? Yeah. Don't count your chickens before they hatch yes. or is it don't count your eggs no it's don't count your chickens before they hatch right because you can still have eggs even if they don't hatch mm-hmm. i don't know it's we're at easter time eggs <laughs> come from rabbits like none of this none of it makes sense <laughs> so mad eye moody goes on laser focused on harry <laughs> he's pretty much like you're such a fucking idiot that this was extremely hard for me <laughs> i had to use every ounce of cunning i possess um as l- i as long as you got into that maze preferably with a decent head start then i knew i would have a chance of getting rid of the other champions and leaving your way clear but i also had to contend with your stupidity the second task man <laughs> god god damn that was when i was most afraid we would fail I was keeping watch on you, Potter. I knew you hadn't worked out the eggs clue, so I had to give you another hint. And Harry's like, you didn't. And it's like, he's being so stupid because it's like he's been manipulating a lot of things. Like, he's been confessing to it. He did do it. Um, He told Cedric to open it underwater. And I would love to know the circumstances of that scene. Like, how did Mad-Eye Moody very casually be like, oh, yeah, hey, what up, Cedric? Uh, Have you tried opening that underwater? (laughs) Don't tell them I told you. Yeah, don't don't say it. And something just occurred to me in this very moment. Mm-hmm. Barty Crouch Jr. is baby Dumbledore. Would you care to elaborate? This plan uh-huh. could have been totally fucked at any moment. And he was relying on manipulating circumstance and people uh-huh. around Harry to make it all fall into place in the way that he wanted it to. And And ultimately sacrifice Harry. Yeah, and also part of that manipulation relied on the assumption that all of these people are going to play by the fucking rules all of the time. Um, Because good people are easy to manipulate. Yeah, and then every time Harry then, like, didn't, it fucked him up. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is, like, well, the end goal, for one, and two, it's a little bit of a sloppier version. It maybe wasn't thought through quite as quite as elegantly yeah. as our all-knowing czar of Longbeard. <laughs> yeah, I do definitely see your perspective. When you first said Baby Dumbledore, I just got really caught up on just what I don't. I don't want to picture a baby version of Dumbledore. I was like, what the fuck? You don't want to picture a baby in a giant wizard hat? Wow, baby wizard was a parasite? He set me up with my wife. (laughs) With like a beard. It's 100% an infant with Jude Law's head on it. Just like (laughs) plopped on there. I hate it more. That's very upsetting. I don't like that mental image. (laughs) (laughs) With the beard that apparently grows like... 12 inches in three years and he's 146 straight out of the womb (laughs) it's like um like benjamin button oh 
So Dumbledore right now is like two months old. Yeah, he's he's nearing the end of his days or the beginning of his days. We're getting uh, into some very upsetting implications. Canon Dumbledore's a phoenix yeah. and Barty Crouch Jr. is his offspring that got really <laughs> fucked up along the way. There's one in every family. Um, so he's like, I told Cedric to help you with the second task. Uh, but even then, Potter, even then you seemed likely to fail. I was watching all that time, all those hours in the library didn't you realize that the book you needed was in your dormitory all along? I planted it there. Early on, good pun, he planted it there ah. because it's uh, magical water plants of the Mediterranean. God, this but think about this. Of course he didn't realize it because why? You didn't give the book to him. Right. You gave it to Neville and all of a sudden that's supposed to mean, oh yeah, Harry's totally, totally going to find it because he spends his time looking for books. Here's the thing. Mad-Eye Moody goes on to say, I expected you to ask everyone and anyone you could for help. And frankly, so did I. <laughs> Mad-Eye Moody. I did too. Why? Wasn't he asking people if they had any ideas? He is in a giant student body. Pride and um, no one exists for him outside of Ron and Hermione. Those are his only two friends. Like he doesn't, he doesn't hang out with anybody else. It's true, but he was also kind of disowned by the entire like student body throughout this whole thing. He was ostracized. Not Neville, never. Ne but that's also Not probably Neville. like an underestimation of Neville. It's oh like, yeah. Well, he can't help. Oh yeah. Wow. But why would you ex why would you expect Neville to be able to? Yeah, exactly. Well, because I think that the solution he was looking for, he like never expected it to be a plant. That he right. could just eat. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the major failing, because he was exclusively looking for spells. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, this is the same mistake they made uh, when they were trying to figure out who Nicholas Flamel was. Like, right. Yeah. It, it, looking for the wrong kind of book. It's not a spell, buddy. It's an item. Yeah. It's an object. Yes. Right. Those exist. So then Mad-Eye Moody goes on to say, okay, well... You have a streak of pride and independence that might have ruined all. So what could I do feed you information from another innocent source. You told me at the Yule Ball a house elf called Dobby had given you a Christmas present. I called the elf to the staff room to collect some robes for cleaning. How weird to call the kitchens and be like, yo, send up Dobby specifically. I got some weird socks here. <laughs> I staged a loud conversation with Professor McGonagall about the hostages who had been taken and whether Potter would think to use gillyweed. And your little elf friend ran straight to Snape's office and then hurried to find you. I wonder if McGonagall was like, uh, yeah, he's probably not going to fucking think of that. He's not the brightest. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Barty Crouch is standing there trying really hard not to be like, you don't say. <laughs> I'm, I'm also imagining McGonagall standing. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Why are you talking so loud? Oh, another drunk Scotsman. That doesn't even work. She's also Scotch. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. They were both just hammered. Oh, you know what? We have established that there is for sure a liquor cabinet in the staff room. Yeah. Maybe they're just like getting drunk because they're sick of the tournament already. Oh, and D Dobby doesn't have to go to Snape's closet for this. Like they have gillyweed. They have fire whiskey. They've got butterbeer. They've... <laughs> <laughs> They've got the whole slew right there in the staff room. Yeah, take your pick. Flu powder. Sorry, we can't keep doing this. 
Gillyweed is basically <laughs> olives. Sorry. Yeah, it's a quite it's like charcuterie. <laughs> um so Harry keeps noting the figures in the faux glass. He's like, they're a moving. Here they come to <laughs> save they, the day. Yeah. You were so long in that lake, Potter, I thought you had drowned. But luckily, Dumbledore took your idiocy for nobility and marked you high for it. I breathed again. And so did Harry after the gillyweed wore off. Hey. <laughs> Basically, he's like, I cleared out that fucking maze for you. Harry stared at Moody. He didn't see how this could be, blah, blah, blah. Um, the foggy shapes in the faux glass were sharpening, had become more distinct. Harry could see the outlines of three people over Moody's shoulder moving closer and closer, but Moody wasn't watching them. His magical eye was upon Harry. So let's talk about a f- the, the faux glass. First of all, the book hyphenates it, and that's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Second of all, a faux glass has to be like magically bound to a person. A single person in order to interpret that person's enemies. This has been tormenting me for years. Okay, great. You've thought about it a lot more than I have. Well, because if it if this is Alistair Moody's faux glass, the real Alistair Moody, and it's connected to him in order to predict, like, or to you know, to represent, to depict his enemies. The real Alistair Moody is in a locked chest in that room in like a magical sleep so the faux glass should be showing barty crouch the fake alistair moody yeah barty crouch as moody right Junior. now yeah so i what yeah is this like bluetooth like the closest <laughs> to it just connects <laughs> guess man maybe he... is like well you have the same dna i don't know <laughs> okay i'll fucking get into the dna shit too in this okay. chapter because Wait. there's so much no you're you're thinking the same thing that i'm about to bring up zach i guarantee it but Here it maybe the faux glass works like an internet router and he had to like there's a button and he had to hold it down for 10 seconds and reset it <laughs> and then enter like the default password and and now it's his <laughs> well no what i what probably the exact same process as that but thinking about him in the position that he's in and this total house of cards that he's built and this weird imposter syndrome that he has to be feeling because oh shit i'm pretending to be this dude I am an and imposter. dumbledore could straight up murder me at that, any point in time is that what imposter syndrome is when you are an imposter <laughs> uh yeah probably <laughs> Um, but perhaps knowing what the tool is, he did whatever reset he needed to do to calibrate it to his enemies. So he could see them coming. He's just not paying any attention to it right now. Right. Because he's plot because because monologue. Yeah. Monologue. It's behind him. He's not looking behind him. If he was pacing, he might have seen it. Alas, he is not. Well, I guess he maybe has a hard time walking. (laughs) Well, okay, that brings me to my second point. Okay. Which is, it can't pause. However he does recalibrate this thing, it can't be DNA because Polyjuice Potion cannot be entirely DNA-based because, like, a missing leg... If you've got uh-huh. it, if it got like blown off, is not part of your DNA. Oh, we Scars... call it DNA plus. 
That's incorporated in the plus. But also, he's not, like, when they open the chest, he's very specifically cut chunks of Mad-Eye Moody's hair. You don't have Uh DNA in your hair. It's like the thing that attaches it where there's any, yeah, the follicle. Yeah, where there's Uh. any DNA. So he's just, like, putting dead, like, clipped fingernails, essentially. Essence of Mm. Moody. But it's not essence of Moody. It's dead (laughs) keratin. There's no DNA in there. (laughs) Okay. I okay. guess I never thought I, I always pictured that as like chunks missing as in he like ripped it out. Not literally. They, like, they specifically say cut. I, oh, I look interesting. Okay. 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 Well, that's um, just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically he's like coming to his crescendo. He's like the dark Lord didn't kill you, but I will. And, uh, and a one, and wait, 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 I will be honored beyond all other Death Eaters. I will be his dearest, his closest supporter, closer than a son. Wink. Wink. <laughs> closer than Bellatrix, even. Daddy. Oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um, there's another line, I think, during his Veritaserum, which is the name of the chapter, and we haven't even gotten there yet, where he says, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up when we get there. I, but like oh, he does oh no, it's have right, like a, it's right here. It's right here. He does have like a whole bit right here about like yeah, his daddy the, issues. The Dark Lord yeah. and I have much in common. Both of us, for instance, had very disappointing fathers. Very disappointing indeed. Both of us suffered the indignity, Harry, of being named after those fathers. And both of us had the pleasure, the very great pleasure, of killing our fathers to ensure the continued rise of the Dark Order! Exclamation point. <laughs> You're mad. You're mad, Harry says. Like, I don't know. He just says, like, I don't know what else to do right now. Okay. So then Mad-Eye Moody is like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see who's mad. <laughs> we'll see who's crazy after you're dead. But it, this is where he thinks he's gonna get rewarded for killing Harry. Yeah. Which is, like, flat out not the case. Yeah, Voldemort's not gonna come, like, get you. <laughs> no, he's going to be pissed because no. he wants to do it. Yeah, he's he's not going to be daddy. Daddy's going to be angry. <laughs> I'm maddie daddy. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to fight or whatever. Um, when stupefy, there was a bi- blinding flash of light and um, Mad-Eye Moody, his office door gets blasted apart and he's thrown backwards unconscious. Um, and Harry's like, what? He looks, in, he looks in the faux glass and it's Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Snape, which, you know, when Snape is part of that trio, yeah, I like the guy. Yeah. He, he's a good, he's a good deputy to the deputy headman. <laughs> and so that's like in the faux glass, like crisp as day, like a mirror. And then Harry like whips around and they're in the doorway. Um, and it's bad. At that moment, Harry fully understood for the first time why people said Dumbledore was the only wizard Voldemort had ever feared. The look upon Dumbledore's face as he stared down at the unconscious form of Mad-Eye Moody was more terrible than Harry could ever have imagined. There was no benign smile upon Dumbledore's face, no twinkle in the eyes behind the spectacles. There was cold fury in every line of the ancient face. A sense of power radiated from Dumbledore as though he were giving off burning heat. That's pretty cool. This is literally one of my favorite things about this chapter is that we get fierce Dumbledore. Fierce, baby. Yeah, Yeah. baby. Yeah. (laughs) Because we, well, for me, Dumbledore is the most fascinating character study in this series. I know some people say it's Snape. Those people are wrong. (laughs) I think they're both great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but he's, I mean, he's become the running theme throughout my podcast, not mm-hmm. to do like random plug, but like, that is so I literally okay. have been listening, like uh, reading it, th- reading through and trying to piece together the Dumbledore master plan, mm-hmm. like as things are happening, like, what does he know now? Yeah. What's he like? What's his game behind off of the pages and stuff like that? And in this chapter, we get like, oh, this is like badass Dumbledore and we don't get enough of badass Dumbledore. Yeah, I could. I, yeah, I, I need me more badass. Don't yeah, play. no, we we have kind of the same uh, conversation a lot yeah. of like, yeah. you can read minds. Are you doing this on purpose or not? Right. Like, are right. you behind this? I don't know. Right. But then that's exactly like literally next bullet in my notes is. But this is where I. I call bullshit on a lot of this. This is badass Dumbledore. And we're supposed to believe that all the way up until this point, he had no idea that this person was an imposter until he took Harry away from his side in a moment where the real one wouldn't have. Like, this is a person who literally knows when people are lying and, like, full of shit. This is a person who is a skilled legilimens and is capable of reading minds. He is literally, like, the vessel of the story. He's written to be all-knowing. When, like, when stuff needs to be explained in this story of how the hell things work, Dumbledore tells you because he just knows. And yet he didn't recognize a fraud of a person that he's supposed to be extremely familiar with and be, like, good friends with for, like, decades until this moment. See, I think you, like, I've also wondered that. But there are two things that make me think that they just got one over on him. Actually, there are three things. Narratively, this is like the point in the story where everything goes wrong. This is like in in a beat sheet. This is like the all yeah. is lost moment yeah. where everything like, oh, just, oh, shit, uh, Voldemort's back. Oh, shit. Mad-Eye Moody's an, an imposter. Oh, shit. Fudge sucks. Like, Cedric's dead. You forgot Cedric's dead. It, like every, it's like in terms of like the lasting consequences of everything that's happening right now, and like yeah. the kind of cherry on top thematically is like, oh, and the adults that have been protecting me up to this point aren't omnipotent, aren't omniscient. They don't, they can't fix everything, and sometimes they can be lied to. Practically speaking, the other two things that make me think Dumbledore actually did get tricked is that. Barty Crouch Jr. was apparently pretty far into Voldemort's inner circle, and Voldemort taught occlumency to a lot of his supporters. Yeah, and that's something that, like, Mad-Eye Moody would be good at occlumency. Right, and yeah. he's uh, he mentions during, like, the whole Veritas Serum uh, incident that he kept uh, Mad-Eye Moody around under the Imperius Curse to basically get all of his character traits and habits and all of that down so he's been like practicing that's the part that right there is the part that makes me almost go the other way the fact that you had to practice you had to interrogate this person and you've been doing it all year to get better at it the idea that at no point did he have a slip up to at least make Dumbledore go hmm that doesn't seem like moody yeah. That's a little weird. That's a little off. It's probably really hard to like keep up that facade for right. so and, long. And this is and, why I want to know more about him. And never just accident, just accidentally like 
oh uh, yeah, my mom died last year too. Or like something that's just like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like something that's just like, obviously that's not something that happened to Mad-Eye Moody. Like, yeah, like the movie gives us a little bit of um, tip in the direction of like this dude's kind of jacked in the head when he's doing the um when he's doing the demonstration in the classroom yeah. of the three unforbi- unforgivable curses and he gets to the cruciatus curse on the spider and he's like you can tell like visually he's really enjoying torturing the shit out of that spider like something like that dumbledore would be like that that that's not but, that d- but that's a movie thing like you know? in the book that know, doesn't quite is. happen i know i'm just i'm using it as an example of right, like that yeah, type of that moment type of nothing like that ever happened to this point when these two are we're supposed to like think that they're spending a lot of time together yeah in dumbledore's like alone well they aren't necessarily like well he's I he's there for like everything yeah. every time we get to dumbledore's like office and you know the ministers there or like anything like moody is right there next to dumbledore yeah it's he's like well that's because for plot harry the whole time <laughs> like harry has yeah, to be like interrupting a conversation <laughs> so that he right, overhears exactly. the conversation right it's just odd i think it's like unreasonable to think that harry and not harry that mad eye moody and dumbledore have had like zero interpersonal interactions this whole year no i'm sure that they definitely have but i also am sure that moody's been like or like fake moody has been trying to limit that like i can do tea like once a week i can fit you in um Mm -hmm. but (laughs) i actually i am just like i'm just really tired these days i actually you know that i actually hate children so this is taking a great toll on me if anyone (laughs) needs me i will be in my office for hours on end if you hear me (laughs) i trying to maybe do voices or something uh, that's just me (laughs) practicing for the community theater don't worry about it If you hear screaming, it's fine. It's fine. The leg, it's just sore now. Yeah. You know, I scream that it's sometimes. Gone. It's, the, it's all the PTSD. <laughs> it's, it's terrors. It, it's wand terrors. Take that however you want. <laughs> so Dumbledore steps into Mad-Eye Moody's office and he kicks the unconscious body over to like look at his face. And then Snape and McGonagall enter too. McGonagall goes straight to Harry and is like, Jesus fucking Christ, let's get this kid <laughs> to the infirmary. And Dumbledore's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No healing for you yet. He he says, some, this is like the dumbest shit. He will stay Minerva because he needs to understand. Understanding is the first step to acceptance and only with acceptance can there be recovery. He needs to know who has put him through the ordeal he has suffered tonight and why. What do we What do we make of that? I love this, actually. Okay. I 100% love this because this is for the shit that Dumbledore takes throughout the series of keeping Harry in the dark and like not telling him things and um, not being forthcoming with information. Yeah. I love that in this moment. I mean, granted, we need Harry to be there because otherwise we don't know what's actually exactly. happening. <laughs> as the, but I love that he he's just like, no, he's going to watch. He's yeah. been through shit. The person who put him through that shit is right there on the floor. Yeah. And he's he's going to be here to get at least like the clarity of like what the hell just happened to me. Yeah. I think there's also an element of like his day was already ruined. <laughs> it's right. true. It's, like it's a, not going to get it's not going to get better from here. Like it's yeah. this isn't going to make it worse. 
can't hardly traumatize him any further. Uh, yeah, so. he's yeah. reached capacity. We're gonna get to the bottom of this, Harry. Um, so that is not Alastor Moody, Dumbledore said quietly. The real Moody would not have removed you from my sight after what happened tonight. The moment he took you, I knew, and I followed. First of all, the moment he took you, I followed. That can't be right. There's been at least like eight minutes that like have a, passed. He was following very slowly. <laughs> he he got stuck at the light. You know, when you guys went through and it was yellow, he got caught. You know? Exactly. There was a funeral procession. He had to wait and be oh respectful. God, it was Cedric's funeral. I would it was. I would never presume to know all of Hogwarts' secrets. While just last week, while trying to save one of my students from being murdered after another one had already been murdered, I took a wrong turning on the way and found myself in a room full of chamber pots. And McGonagall and Snape couldn't help me get there any faster. Snape, Snape can turn into a fucking bat, at least in the movie, and McGonagall can turn into a cat, and they're just walking at grandpa pace, just like, all right, we'll get there when we get there. He's not swimming, okay? He doesn't move very fast these days. He's 150. <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing. The real Moody would not have remo- removed you from my sight after what happened tonight. Is that really, out of all... The, that's and, what I'm saying. I, I, exactly. Like, this Zach. is the only thing that's happened to make you just like you didn't have any thoughts or like it's such a small thing. Like surely there's right. been some other small clue. This is something. This is a dumb clue. I I actually like really hate stuff like this in books where it's like the only r- explanation for this is that he's an imposter. Not that he right. is have he made a choice that I don't understand. You know, it's yeah. like he's an imposter. <laughs> Well, like, even even thinking back to book one, and it's fresh on my mind because that's what I just finished, like, mm-hmm. you get the, we later get the, um, in the uh, prince's tale memory that Dumbledore had done the thing with Snape where he's like, hey, keep an eye on Coral. Right. Like, he, he has to have had at some point in time a, I think I'm going to keep an eye on Moody. Yeah. Moment in this or this second wouldn't have gone so drastically from this is a very trusted friend of mine mm-hmm. that I have known for at least 30 years right. and probably been through some real shit together to this is a complete imposter. There's no way this could be the real thing. This has to be polyjuice potion. Uh-huh. I mean, okay. This is, I I would like for there to be like a better reveal, but also keep in mind, even if Dumbledore didn't necessarily suspect Moody throughout the year, he yeah. has known that there's a mole. He knows that yeah. something has been going on. A miss. Yeah, yeah. It, like something's definitely been amiss and he's been definitely like keeping his feelers out for it. And I think that the like this one discrepancy could feasibly tip like the dominoes of him being like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait okay. a second. I buy that. I buy that presentation. <laughs> and it was all of those seconds that it took to cause the <laughs> delay for him to be following so slowly. Haley, after you're done with your role as the villain in the next James Bond movie, mm-hmm. I would love to cast you as Dumbledore in the Harry Potter remake. <laughs> I, I'm down. Not I'm even down. young Dumbledore. I want you to be old Dumbledore. Good. Yeah. Start growing your beard now. Please. I can. I can and I will. (laughs) So Dumbledore pulls a a flask and a set of rings out from Mad-Eye Moody's pockets. Um, He sends... Okay, I'm going to read this. 
Severus, please fetch me the strongest truth potion you possess and then go down to the kitchens and bring up the house elf called Winky. Minerva, love this, kindly go down to Hagrid's house where you will find a large black dog sitting in the pumpkin patch. Take the dog up to my office, tell him I will be with him shortly, and then come back here. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Here's the thing. Why are we asking Minerva McGonagall, the deputy headmistress and the most badass bitch on earth, to do the job that a Patronus can do? Because he has to be let up into the office. Oh. Yeah, true. There's a password. Somebody has to let it. Like, we can't. We Love have it. to keep kind of keep in mind that he's also still like the most wanted fugitive in it's this true. world. I love when I ask a question and I'm like so snarky about it. I'm like, how on earth? And then I get like a very reasonable response. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> what I want to know is like, how is Sirius keeping his shit together? You imagine him just like sitting yeah. Just real calm like, and in dog serious? form, just like stay. Somebody come get me, please. <laughs> yeah, he's not known. Did for you give staying. him a bone to chew on? Like what the? F- <laughs> How uh, is he- <laughs> um, plenty of bones to chew on because he that is used to in, be people. He in, yes, mm-hmm. he's in the place where Barty yes. Crouch Senior was buried. That's literally where Sirius is right now. So he can find some bones. When McGonagall comes out to get him, he's like sniffing around. I swear, I smell something. There's a, there's a fucking body here. There is. He's like, I'm not I even. There is. I'm not even a cadaver dog, but something is not right. <laughs> Something's going on here. Also, Hagrid for sure has weed in his house. I, 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 he's not going to snitch on Hagrid about the weed, but if there's no. a corpse on Hagrid's property, he's going to be like, I, "Hey, Hagrid, someone what put a corpse on? on your property." Also, yeah. for sure, Karkaroff has a bomb on him. <laughs> <laughs> like what those are the three things dogs can smell for, right? Yeah. Weed bombs but he's sitting there and, and he's just he's got Barty Crouch in his mouth, just <laughs> <laughs> just happier than shit. Tail wagon. Living I'm his about best to celebrate life. with Harry that he won the Triwizard Tournament. Oh my this God. is gonna be great. Snape and McGonagall leave to do this. Uh Dumbledore tries all of the keys on the ring and all of the locks on the chest. There's seven. Of course it takes seven. Mm-hmm. Magically strong. Um, until he finds the one, the, the the last one, obviously. I I don't even think that's convenient plot stuff. It's always the last key you try. Yeah. Well, why would you keep going yeah. if you didn't get past the... <laughs> the thing seven. is, I think if you went from, like, the opposite direction and used, like, key number seven first, it wouldn't do anything. I think that it's, like, a, uh, like mm. inconvenient on purpose magic oh, thing I of, like, that. you've got to use all that. seven. And I, I just, Dumbledore is very stressed and mad right now, but I just picture him in his head being like, this is a pretty clever device. <laughs> like, oh God, I need to get me one of these. Yeah. No, come on. This is, dumb. he he probably made the thing. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> so he unlocks the chest and there's like, uh, inside is the real Mad-Eye Moody, missing his wooden leg and his magical eye. Um, He is alive. He's under the Imperious Curse and he is fucking freezing. I was having an incredibly it just awfully disturbing conversation with a friend of mine about this moment in the chapter Okay. Um, that I'm going to uh, relay in an edited form, even for this podcast. Okay. But he's, he's, he's like, he just casually says, you know, the bottom of Moody's trunk just smells like semen, right? Like this guy's been down there for nine months oh by God. himself. Like, it, you know, it smells like cum. <laughs> and that got me thinking like, after immediately thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, wait, no, he. Wait a minute. What does it smell like at the bottom of Moody's trunk right now? Like, Barty Crouch Jr. has had to keep him alive 
to so that he could harvest the hairs and so he could interrogate him. But like he hasn't had to bathe him. Right. How often is he cleaning things up? That's there, go- this dude has been stuck here for nine months. Is there like a chamber pot? Okay, or- Im- important question. Important question. He's unconscious. He's under the Imperious curse. Can you Imperious someone to simply live without food and without <laughs> taking a shit? Like, can you Imperious someone to simply continue living in like a comatose like hibernate? state? Yeah, almost like hibernate. I don't think we can do that Whoa. biologically. Uh, are you thinking because of the bear's butt plugs? The, the bears get butt plugs <laughs> that's when they exactly, hibernate. That's, that's, no, I, I wasn't thinking that. I didn't even know that was a thing. They and do. a bear's butt plug they has do. never come to mind in any context. Is this revenge for telling you about cloacas? I don't like okay. this information. All right, you don't. You don't need to bring that up. <laughs> well, you brought up bear butt Wait, plugs. so you didn't know? Haley? No. I, I knew something about the wilderness that you hadn't previously read in a book. Nope. Nope. No, you well, because they, they hibernate and they have, I mean. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew about the hibernating. I didn't know about the butt plugs. Okay. So, so no we clue. don't think that you could just imperious someone with a will to live no. without giving them food and water, basically. You would think like he's he's got to be doing the silence of the lambs thing right you know it, yeah it puts the lotion but then it sent me down another spiral because this is how i exist in the world uh-huh what would happen if you drank polyjuice from a dead person oh do you become an inferior whoa oh, hmm. oh my god if, hmm. if not how does inferior actually happen uh could it be that like the you the dead body and it's some sort of polyjuice ish with the dead body that so makes the inferior? I happen to know from our recent Behind the Magical Bastards bonus episode about Tom Riddle that at the very least the inferior in the cave with the locket are victims of Voldemort personally. Like mm-hmm. he kills people and just throws them in the cavern. So I don't know if maybe he has to do like a spell on them or like I don't really it know. It seems like you would need to do a spell. Like it's like a zombifying yeah, situation. Yeah. Right. Also, zombie is brought up in the first book. Mm. And I lost my mind. I was like, what is the difference between an inferior and a zombie? Oh yeah, maybe one's malicious. <laughs> uh, an inferior mm. is like trying to get you and a zombie's just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of literature where it's like they would be covered in shit right now and they don't mention <laughs> it. Like I just finished reading um, the first Hunger Games book and PETA is like, uh, he like came in like the funniest move that a cake maker could possibly make. He is like dying slowly. So he disguises himself in like the banks of a river as mud to like die slowly over the course of like a week. And Katniss finds him and cleans him off and is like, I'm in love with you now. And they're like making out. And I'm like, you, I mean, he for sure is covered in his own shit right now. He's been just chilling there. (laughs) Right. And like, you would think that Barty Crouch Jr. is only cleaning up when he has to come down there. Well, because you, like you also have to remember that he can clean magically. So maybe he just doesn't even look. Yeah, maybe there's like a corner. Like, he, he can, but like if Moody could do magic right now, he wouldn't be in the damn trunk. So right. like as he's sitting there for however long in between uh, feedings yeah. and whatever, like 
What is this? I, what is this? Do you think there was a learning curve of Barty Crouch Jr. being <laughs> no. like, and just sit there, and then like goes down the next morning, and like Booty's just sitting there and has fully shit his pants, <laughs> and then having to be like, just sit there until you have to take a dump, and then use that corner when you have to take a dump. God, right? Why do I have to explain these things? <laughs> you Potter, you're useless. You're all idiots, I swear. It's like Mad-Eye Moody's like, tiny act of rebellion. Like He could have gotten up and used the chamber pot, but he didn't want to. He's trying to be difficult. He's not going to just be a nice <laughs> You are going prisoner. to wipe my ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I would do that in this situation. Like, yeah, it's, I think so, too. I I, I'm that level of petty. Shit myself out of spite. <laughs> you said not to move. I didn't move. Okay. Watch me not move for nine months. <laughs> we have to move on from this. Um, this chapter is so much longer than what we've done so far. Um, so Dumbledore, first of all, Dumbledore pours out the flask on the floor. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Drama. Drama. Dramatic effect. Um, he assumes that the imposter forgot to take his hourly dose in the excitement. Uh, obviously, he's right. <laughs> This is bonkers to me. It has to be taken on the hour. That's the stupidest every shit hour. I've ever heard. Sure, every hour. But why on the hour? We have plenty of polyjuice to come in this series. Like, an infuriating amount of polyjuice to come. In the- yeah. You know all that shit took longer than an hour. All of it. And, uh, yeah, I can't. And oh, yeah, uh, just, oh, yeah, you know, because, alas, um, it wears off right now. Yeah, so in, sure. the, in the movie... Mm-hmm. Mad Eye Moody. How long is, was this gonna last? Yeah, yeah. Mad Eye Moody's like, oh no, I'm out of polyjuice potion. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah. well, it takes a month, to, so you're like a month behind on this. Yeah. But in the book, he just is unconscious, so that's why he he can't drink he can't it because he's knocked out on time. the floor. Yeah. But, you know, uh, that's what was happening. Dumbledore was waiting for the top of the hour to come save the day so that he could then, you know, turn back into him. They've actually been standing outside that door for 20 minutes and Dumbledore just like had a stopwatch on him. And Minerva was like, can, can I save my Can we just go now? in and no, um, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. He conjured tea. And they're just out there. <laughs> He's going to monologue for like 15 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> God, that's so fucking And three, two, one, <laughs> ba-bam! Okay, everybody look pissed. Let's go. All right, so um, within a few minutes, the imposter transforms into Barty Crouch Jr. Jr. <laughs> I always do it so much more dramatically than it actually is. So then Snape, McGonagall, and Winky like all come back. So uh, real quick, just want to clarify... We brought Winky here just to upset her, right? I think we brought Winky as a cooperation and also for her sake. Why do you I need co-op? What? Wait, hold on. I'm so sorry. What's that word? Corroboration. Corroboration. Why do you need corroboration if you are interrogating someone under Veritaserum? I guess you, I guess in Dumbledore's mind, he doesn't know what's going to happen, like what he's going to say. Okay. Right. So like Winky can confirm, deny, or maybe Winky needs to hear this shit too. Or like, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are two people, two people, beings, beings, two, um, beings, go with beings, two piles of flesh. That's (laughs) disgusting. 
that were well they were involved in the same like they were in this story yeah like both of them played a role in what's about to come out so we should probably have them both in the room if we have the option it just seems like uh they it's like designed to make winky it's designed to be like look what you did look what you did I kind of go the other like I also I also think that there's part of this where it's Dumbledore going this house elf has been a drunken mess completely depressed she's about to get the answers that maybe she needs okay. to move on from this like stupor yeah because with you Possibly. with healing uh, with hearing comes healing or whatever he said right. yeah, yeah, yeah. plus like mm-hmm. I think the corroboration thing is also a secondary reason because like you can tell the like Veritas Veritaserum can make you tell the truth as far as you know it, but like if he needs to, if he needs someone oh, to fill in the gaps, or okay. if like yeah. Barty Crouch just like f- doesn't know something accurately, then Winky can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it that actually would have probably done this scene very well if there was a moment where Dumbledore had to turn to Winky and say, "And then what happened?" Yeah. In the house, Winky. Right. You, or something it like that. It would have helped where, her explain her yeah. presence better, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have made a lot of sense. And maybe that was there and got cut. True. <laughs> Gotta cut fucking something out of this fucking 800-page <laughs> book. <laughs> Snape hands over the Veritaserum, and Dumbledore uh, brings Barty Crouch back. He uh, re-enervates him. I, I don't know. Re-awakens him. Can everybody hear me? Can everybody <laughs> see me so it's time for part two of our villain monologue the non-consensual part here we go i would like you to tell us how you came to be here how did you escape from azkaban crouch took a deep shuddering breath and then began to speak in a flat expressionless voice okay so we're gonna go like paragraph by paragraph through this because it's this is every this is this might feel tedious but this is the whole plot of this book so we're doing this (laughs) My mother saved me. She knew she was dying. She persuaded my father to rescue me as a last favor to her. He loved her as he had never loved me. He agreed. They came to visit me. They gave me a draft of polyjuice potion containing one of my mother's hairs. She took a draft of polyjuice potion containing one of my hairs. We took on each other's appearance. Uh, da, da, da. Winky's like, please shut the fuck up. But he won't. I, I literally, I just have winky sucks in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wrote. You know what's great writing-wise, just like in terms of craft about this whole thing, is that this is like how unskilled writers will write uh, like dialogue exposition a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. it's all very short sentences. Like they're all very like I statement-y. They don't, they, there's not a lot of variation. Like every sentence is starting with like I, my, she, like it's all pronoun starts. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no variation in anything. What yeah. you're saying is this is me trying to write. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never edited any of your stuff, but I'll send it to okay. you. It's <laughs> It's going to be the worst thing you've ever read. <laughs> okay, um you reminded me Haley that I forgot to read aloud the lines that made me say, "Oh yeah, she's a bad writer." Mm-hmm. Um so on the page beforehand when um Snape and McGonagall are both coming back from their errands, <clears throat> Crouch, Snape said, stopping dead in the doorway. Barty Crouch. Good heavens, said Professor McGonagall, <clears throat> stopping dead <laughs> and staring down at the man. They both stopped dead sentence, two sentences apart. 
Yep. Um, that's just bad writing. And that's no also bad editing. That's bad editing. And I never noticed it until I heard the audiobook and I was like, did they both stop dead? And Sean's, my husband <laughs> is just like typing away on his little work and he's like, what? And I'm like, they, she said stop dead twice. And it, it, he's like, what, did they both stop dead? And I'm like, that is not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you don't write it like that. Okay. Actually, one of them stopped almost dead. They took like one quick extra uh, step. This fellow Cedric. only stopped mostly dead. <laughs> you know who stopped dead? Cedric Diggory is totally stopped dead. Uh, their faces. <laughs> <laughs> the Dementors are blind. They sensed one healthy, one dying person entering Azkaban. They sensed one healthy, one dying person leaving it. My father smuggled me out disguised as my mother in case any prisoners were watching through their doors. I don't think we have time to get into... What even are Dementors? How does Azkaban ever work? But I think that the fact that you had to stop and go, wait, uh, and and then pick up reading, I think that explains exactly what was just said perfectly. Because I don't. What? I'm like, why is the blind thing here? Like, couldn't the Polyjuice just do what Polyjuice does and let them get the hell out of here? Why is there the weird explanation? Yeah, no, like if the Dementors are blind, then like, why does she have to keep drinking it also why would prison guards not have sight <laughs> yeah like i don't this is a nonsense it. jail yeah it's a nonsense, it's a nonsense jail. jail nothing makes it's sense like, um, what's that mm-hmm. what is that show oh my god super jail super jail it's yeah. like super jail it's like we're are here to make zero sense oh my god don't watch that show it is overwhelming Mm, it's like, oh, it's it's old school problematic levels uh, of Adult Swim. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a visual nightmare. Yes, it is. My mother died a short while afterward in Azkaban. She was careful to drink Polyjuice Potion until the end. She was buried under my name and bearing my appearance. Everyone believed her to be me. So if you die as a Polyjuice person, do you, so I guess you stay that way. I'm guessing she turned in the grave. They would have had to bury her point. within the hour. Well, it don't. Of course, everything happens within an hour in this world. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how Polly just works. Wait. Didn't you just hear Dumbledore say that? <laughs> okay, a quick question. I have a quick question. I this okay. Okay, you know how Harry has been like. For example, he like was in Remus Lupin's like office and like bed bedroom. His like uh, quarters, right? He the 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 sure. In theory, you. Or like a, a Slughorn. At some point, Harry is like in Horace Slughorn's like like quarters. His office mm-hmm. with like an apartment behind it or whatever. In theory, someone could come into your bedroom if you're a teacher. If there's an emergency, someone could come into your bedroom. I'm sure Snape and McGonagall have to wake each other up in the middle of the night all the time. They both wear sleeping caps and nightgowns. Here's my question. Does... Barty Crouch Jr. wake up every hour on the hour every single night this entire year to take Polyjuice Potion? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, does he do it when he's alone for long stretches? Yeah, because... I wasn't wondering any of this shit because I didn't think it made any (laughs) sense to begin with. I had forgotten about this hour on the hour thing until reading it right (laughs) for this podcast. I was like, oh... Wow, that's problematic. I don't understand anything. There's like no, there's no actual true aloneness in a place like Hogwarts. If you've been to college, you'll know what I mean. There's like no place where you can go where you will for sure not be interrupted. 
And like, even if you put a bunch of spells, Alohomora, etc., on your a bunch of protection spells on your office or bedroom or whatever, like other people at the school, especially if you're asleep, could get through that and like see. Is this just full Fiona from Shrek? But there's also like the fact that. Mad-Eye Moody does have, like, a whole reputation of, like, hey, maybe don't wake him up suddenly. Maybe don't sneak up on that guy ever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. He will murder like, you. Maybe knock and give, like, a ten-minute warning and, like, then come Guys, in. it's the PTSD. You know, you, you know that there's that, like, there's that unspoken agreement amongst the adult, like, teachers in Hogwarts to give that, like, knock and, like, Quick, because you don't know what's happening in there. These are full-grown <laughs> ass true, adults. It's true, Man, it really just is his PTSD. And again, I'm going to bring up the Hunger Games. And after Katniss gets out of the arena and people are just trying to, like, hug her and stuff and she keeps trying to murder people because she thinks she's still in the arena. Mad-Eye Moody, man, he's been through so much. But Barty Crouch Jr. hasn't been through shit. Oh, Yeah. Oh, but no, but the <laughs> reputation he has for being um, jumpy, let's say. What did your father do with you when he had got you home, said Dumbledore quietly. Staged my mother's death, a quiet private funeral. That grave is empty. The house elf nursed me back to health. First of all, man, at least call her by her name, okay? <laughs> I have that. I Like, Winky is so devoted to this dude and, like, to this name. family. Yeah. <laughs> And he just keeps calling her the house elf. So, like, dismissive, you know, classic. He does use it, death. like, later, but he's kind of switching off, like, yeah, the I, house I elf. Here. Yeah, like, yeah. it's... It, but, and then Dumbledore says it. No! And that's where I was like, ah, uh, Dumbledore. Oh, yeah, I see it right here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, The house elf nursed me back to health. Then I had to be concealed. I had to be controlled. My father had to use a number of spells to subdue me. When I had recovered my strength, I thought only of finding my master, of returning to his service. How did your father subdue you? The tone I'm using is not appropriate. Uh, how did your father subdue you? Tell me more. <laughs> the imperi- imperious curse, Moody said. Oh, but, yeah. he's not Moody yeah. anymore. It says Moody. That's a big old typo. Hey. Yeah. Or like she pranked herself. <laughs> Ding. You played yourself. Do you both have that? Yeah, mine yeah. says Moody. Yeah. This looks like a um, a classic case of a, a order of events got switched around during editing and someone didn't catch something. Does your book say something different, Zach? I don't know. I'm literally trying to find the page. I know. It's like, what even page is it? Yeah, especially I'm I'm doing it on a screen. Yeah. So it's like, I can't see anything. So here's just like a um, little fun fact about publishing. Um, Haley and I both have copies of one of the very earliest printings. No. Mine says Crouch. Okay. So that's this is why. <laughs> Haley and I both have mm-hmm. copies from one of the very earliest printings. Um, mm-hmm. I expect that if you were to buy a brand new ha- po- copy of Harry Potter today, this error would be corrected. But in an ebook, mm-hmm. because it's digital, you can just fix it and then it's fixed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely someone caught that after one gajillion copies were published. Sucks to suck. Yeah. Sucks to suck. I love I love when podcasts like find these. Yeah. It just makes me so happy. It's just it truly uh, all books have errors in them. This is me mm-hmm. defending my career. All books have errors in them, okay? Including Harry Potter. So let that stop. <laughs> Not even Harry Potter is a completely perfect book series. <laughs> You're shocked, I know. 
(laughs) (laughs) How did your father subdue you? The imperious curse. I was under my father's control. I was forced to wear an invisibility cloak day and night. I was always with the house elf. She was my keeper and caretaker. She pitied me. She persuaded my father to give me occasional treats, rewards for my good behavior. Uh, did anyone ever discover that you were still alive? Did anyone know except your father and the house elf? The one sitting right the <laughs> fuck there. Whose name is Winky, which I know because she is in my employ. Yes, said Crouch. A witch in my father's office, Bertha Jorkins. She came to my house with papers for my father's signature. He was not at home. Winky showed her inside and returned to the kitchen to me. But Bertha Jorkins... Bertha Jorkins heard Winky talking to me. She came to investigate. She heard enough to guess who is hiding under the invisibility cloak. My father arrived home. She confronted him. He put a very powerful memory charm on her to make her forget what she found out. Too powerful. He said it damaged her memory permanently. I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to everyone because a couple episodes ago, (laughs) Voldemort was talking about, he was like bragging about how he broke all of Bertha Jorkins' memory charms. And I don't really remember what episode it was or who it was, but we all were like, what what memory charms? What, like an NDA? Like at the government? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And approximately (laughs) 1,000 listeners, I don't have that many listeners, approximately three listeners hit me up and were like, no, it was this. It was Barty Crouch Sr. protecting Barty Crouch Jr. It was actually a very important memory curse that he did super duper break. So sorry to everyone and shout out to all my fans who correct me. Never stop. I did see you getting roasted in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I had it in my notes. I was like, it's so perfect we get to do this because I was screaming at you as I was walking around my neighborhood listening to that episode. I'm going to hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up easily. It was Crouch. <laughs> Um, Our friend Sarah in the Discord said, oh, man, I never wanted to be this kind of podcast listener, but (laughs) the memory charm they had to break on Bertha Jorkins was the one placed on her by Barty Crouch Sr., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, Sarah and everyone else. I am fallible. Is fallible a word or is it only infallible? No, fallible is a word. I'm so fallible. (laughs) Okay, where are we? Yeah, Bertha Jorkins, man. Wrong place, wrong time. Gotta love her. Yeah. Did her best. She just listened with her listening ears and it ruined her life. Also, that vacation to Albania was a bad move. Tell me about the Quidditch World Cup, said Dumbledore. Winky talked my father into it. She spent months persuading him. I had not left the house for years. I had loved Quidditch. Let him go, she said. He will be in his invisibility cloak. He can watch. Let him smell fresh air for once. She said my mother would have wanted it. She told my father that my mother had died to give me freedom. She had not saved me for a life of imprisonment. He agreed in the end. Man, I don't know, dude. Barty Crouch Sr. doesn't strike me. It's like, yeah, he really loved his wife, so he did this, like, terrible, stupid, illegal thing for her. And also he did it, uh, he made it worse for the house elf who guilted him. I don't know, man. It still strikes me as weird that Barty Crouch Sr. would do any of this. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. And also, why the Quidditch World Cup specifically? Like, why was Winky pushing so hard for that? Like, maybe we can we just start with a park? Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, an international sporting event. Like, um, treat him like he's agoraphobic, you know, and like, let's do baby steps. Let's do a block. Yeah. A block. A walk around the block. Yeah. I, I mean, he's essentially been maybe in there's like, a backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's essentially been in like, um, 
isolation, like yeah. like yeah. isolated confinement, like that right. fucks with people neurologically. Like it's yeah. uh, taking straight out into like a crowd a thousand feet off the ground <laughs> is maybe like not the move. Also, and it's in the in the same box as several ministers of magic. Yeah, this none of it makes any any logical sense Certainly whatsoever. Not. And it just so happens to be that, like, oh, look, it's the same one that Harry's in, too. Yeah. Ta-da! Yeah, because the Weasley, Miss Arthur Weasley's pull at the ministry is this big. <laughs> he gets to sit with the Minister of Magic and the wealthiest family on Earth. Okay. Um, yeah. It was carefully planned. My father led me and Winky up to the top box early in the day. Winky was to say that she was saving a seat for my father, so I was to sit there invisible. When everyone had left the box, we would emerge. Winky would appear to be alone. Nobody would ever know. But Winky didn't know that I was growing stronger. I was starting to fight my father's imperious curse. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it happened there in the top box. It was like waking from a deep sleep. I found myself out in public in the middle of the match, and I saw in front of me a wand sticking out of a boy's pocket. Real convenient that that mm. boy was Harry Potter, but okay. Um, I had not been allowed a wand, uh, whatever. Winky was hiding her face because she's afraid of heights, so. Of course she wouldn't notice anything because, again, we need all the plot convenience. We need all of it yeah. to happen for this to just play out the way that it did yeah. and explain how it played out the way that it did because we had to get here. It's all just a reform. They say that this story is a frame narrative and like circle theory. This, this, yeah. this had to go around in a circle. Yeah. Yeah, we had to find a way to make it happen. I don't know. This this part is not my favorite. And <laughs> I'm then, just gonna say that. And then, Master Barty, you bad boy! Screamed, whispered, weak. I said, screamed again. Winky <laughs> sucks. Winky. Uh, yeah. Um. <coughs> so you took the wand, and what did you do with it? We went back to the tent, and then we heard them. We heard the Death Eaters, the ones who had never been to Azkaban. He's like, I was enslaved, but they should have well, gone and got him. Yeah, you were enslaved with the house elf. <laughs> you know, the house elf. Okay, he wanted to attack them for their disloyalty. Obviously, Barty Crouch Sr. had to go, like, handle this. Um, Winky dot, 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 used her own brand of magic to bind me to her. She pulled me from the tent, pulled me into the forest away from the Death Eaters. Okay, Winky is our hero. Um, it just this one move, I think is pretty cool. I tried to hold her back. I wanted to return to the campsite. I, okay. Blah, 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 blah. I used the stolen wand to cast the dark mark into the sky. Winky. This is, this is like getting this almost payoff and like explanation for the weird stuff that was happening in that chapter way back then yeah. in this book is incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. It just how mm -hmm. it was allowed to happen is the part that doesn't make any sense. Like you said, Barty Crouch Sr. is not letting this be a thing. It's it. And it kind of breaks down there, really. Here's, I don't even need to give more reasons. Yeah, it just dies. There's right just there. like so many places where so many things should have been done differently. Like when Barty Crouch yeah. Sr. had to go help save the muggles from the Death Eaters, cast Petrificus Totalis on your your villain son. Yeah. If you can't oh, the Death Eaters him. are here. My Death Eater son is over there. Maybe I should make sure that the two yeah, don't Don't interact. leave it up to the the house elf. The house elf. Who does her best and literally just does not have the skills or resources to like do what she needs to do here. 
Um, Ministry wizards arrived. They shot stunning spells everywhere. One of the spells came through the trees where Winky and I stood. The bond connecting us was broken. We were both stunned. When Winky was discovered, my father knew I must be nearby. He searched the bushes where she had been found and felt me lying there. He waited until the other ministry members had left the forest. He put me back under the Imperius curse and took me home. He dismissed Winky. She had failed him. She had let me acquire a wand. She had almost let me escape. And here's my addition. She knew all of our deepest, darkest secrets. And so uh, <laughs> firing her and setting her loose in the world was a really good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good thing she's like the most loyal and obsessed type of house elf and she's not like the Dobby type of house elf <laughs> that would totally like broadcast this whole shit Harry. to everyone. Like, Harry, ask me, like, ask me if I know any secrets. Next on Potter Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Is Sir wanting some tea? I'll spill it for you. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Haley. Thank you. Now it was just father and I alone in the house, dot, dot, dot. And then, and then. Crouch's head rolled on his neck and an insane grin spread across his face. My master came for me. Daddy. On me. Sorry. <laughs> um, basically, Volsmore rolls up with Wormtail um, and he like, no, he, this is after Bertha Jorkins. Um, so he like has all this information about the Triwizard Tournament. He tortured her a lot and then murdered her. This was something that I was curious about. What was Voldemort looking for when he was torturing her? I think like ministry like, secrets. Do you think? I Because it, it started to make me wonder, like, could he sense that there was a memory charm there and he just wanted to know, like, <laughs> what's hiding behind this huh. thing? I mean. And it just so happened that, like, ta-da, all the secrets to yeah. everything that I possibly need for my villain plan to come to fruition is right here in your brain. Thank God. <laughs> Because otherwise, what was I going to do? I'm a tiny little body baby <laughs> and being nursed by this idiot with nine fingers, who is also a rat. I needed a break. Well, ideal like, baby I needed sitter. a break. It's worth mentioning at this time that um, Zach recently sent me a very harrowing theory oh about um, baby Voldemort that we're actually, I'm saving it to talk about during our post Goblet of Fire group therapy session. Uh, um, I don't. You're going to need the therapy <laughs> after the theory. We're doing a lot of like questions and answer and like exploring like these bigger theories. So uh, just stay tuned for that. What did I put in that email? The uh, subject line was just, trigger warning. <laughs> and, and like disclaimer fucked up shit yeah. beyond this point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i love it so okay it was very quick my father was placed under the imperious curse by my master now my father was the one imprisoned controlled my master forced him to go about his business as usual to act as though nothing was wrong and i was released i awoke i was myself again alive as i hadn't been in years Voldemort told me he needed to place a faithful servant at Hogwarts, a servant who could who would guide Harry Potter through the Triwizard Tournament, um, blah, 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 all the things he confessed to before the Veritaserum. They talk about the Polyjuice Potion and how they got Mad-Eye Moody. Um, they went to his house, there was a struggle, and they like subdued him just in time before Arthur Weasley rolled up. Um, and then, you know, all, all this stuff that, you know, that he came to Hogwarts and like, la, la, la. Um, he kept the real Moody alive um, so he could question him about his past, his habits, um, so that I could fool even Dumbledore. He said to Dumbledore. Yeah. 
And then he's like confessing to stealing all this stuff from Snape that uh, Harry also stole from Snape. Well, that he that he accused Harry. Yeah. Of yeah. He's like, I'm going to use this Veritas serum and I'm going to get you to tell me how you stole these ingredients. <laughs> you and your friends are making polyjuice potion. And now he's using Veritas serum I to get it. the truth out of who actually <laughs> stole this shit. But it had nothing to do with wow, Harry. I love it. Except for trying to get Harry dead. I love the moment in the movie where like that line comes up mm-hmm. and you just get like Harry giving Snape a look like, hmm. <laughs> And and Snape's little look back is like so cute. He's just like, hmm. like it's, it's really good. It's oh really well, good. it wasn't I you still this time, hate you. right? And uh, Harry's doing the same thing. Harry's like, well, I guess the Death Eater wasn't you this time. <laughs> Wormtail returned to care for my master in my father's house and to keep watch over my father. Dumbledore says, but your father escaped. Yes. After a while, he began to fight the Imperious Curse, just as I had done. Dot, 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 dot. Um, a lot of stuff that we already know about how he's like sending letters to the ministry. Um, but Wormtail neglected his duty. He was not watchful enough. Um, and this is what they were discussing in that terrible dream that Harry had a couple chapters back. Um, Wormtail's blunder. My father escaped. My master guessed that he was heading for Hogwarts. My father was going to tell Dumbledore everything to confess. He was going to admit that he had smuggled me from Azkaban. Yeah, at that point, you gotta... Probably, maybe, possibly before now. Right. Just yes. Maybe. <laughs> you maybe should not have done this in the first place. Maybe you tell your dying wife, like, any other any, request? Like, here? do you want to go to Can Albania? we just go do something nice? <laughs> yeah. Can, Paris? Maybe? Disney World. Is Paris nice in this Disney world? Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> can we go to Universal and go to Harry Potter World? <laughs> my master sent me word of my father's escape. He told me to stop him at all costs. So I waited and watched. I used the map I had taken from Harry Potter, the map that had... Om- oh, yeah. What map is that? Okay, we'll not really talk about it, actually. And then he, like, describes how he went to f- intercept his father in the forest. You killed your father, Dumbledore said in the same soft voice. What did you do with the body? I carried it into the forest, covered it with the invisibility cloak. I watched Potter bringing Dumbledore out of the castle. I walked back out of the forest, doubled around behind them, went to meet them. I told Dumbledore Snape had told me where to come. Dumbledore told me to go and look for my father. I went back into I went back to my father's body, watched the map. When everyone was gone, I transfigured my bo- my father's body. He became a bone. <laughs> I buried it while wearing the invisibility cloak in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. And I'm pretty sure Sirius Black is chomping on it right now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And also, why do he carry the body? Make it the bone first and carry the bone. <laughs> a lot lighter, a lot more efficient. Like he's like, yep. he's like dragging it away <laughs> into the forest. Nobody's going to see this. I, I know it. I know oh, it. God, it's going to take so fucking long to bury. You know what? God damn it. Just, me- I'm just going to eat one bone. There we go. Let, let me wait until the coast is clear and then make this a shit ton easier on myself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Winky is just in hysterics this yeah. entire conversation. Yeah, Winky still sucks. Yeah, um, there was complete silence now except for Winky's continued sobs. Um, and then Dumbledore said, and tonight, I offered to carry the Triwizard Cup into the maze before dinner, whispered Barty Crouch, turned it into a port key. My master's plan worked. He is returned to power and I will be honored by him beyond the dreams of wizards. The insane smile lit his features once more and his head drooped onto his shoulder as Winky wailed and sobbed at his side. Whew. That was a doozy. It was. We got through it. I knew that was going to be a long one. There was so much. Okay, so Zach, what is there that we like 
should circle back to or we like skipped over or like anything you want to like revisit? So without risking taking too, too fucking, (laughs) (laughs) I've heard you guys talk about like, why did it have to be the tournament? Why did it have to be the cup? Why couldn't just any object be, (laughs) like why couldn't any object just be a porky? Okay. Here's, here's how I make this make sense in my head. Okay. And this is something, the way that I've heard the port key portion described in a way that actually makes sense is the cup was already a port key. That's how it took Harry back from the graveyard to drop him in the crowd. Uh-huh. Like the cup was designed to take them straight to like the winner's circle. Oh. Right? Okay. And so. What he did was he basically add an, add a stop. Yeah. Whoa. Take them there first. He fucked with the GPS. He fucked with the and GPS. And so that's how it, like, potentially, okay. let's pretend that there is, like, anti-port key detection in Hogwarts or whatever to, like, you know, make this, make it not be so that he could just make a quill a port key yeah. within the castle and just send him any time and why the hell this tournament had to ever exist but also why it wasn't detected because it already was uh-huh. a poor key. He just said, fuck with okay, it. Okay, that's definitely the best theory I've ever heard. Mm. I still don't know why the whole tournament had to right. happen, but like, that's the only thing that can make any of this make sense. I mean, we had to have something fun happen throughout the year. <laughs> we had to have a book. <laughs> okay, all yeah. right, I'll buy it. I mean, well, you know, as more than I bought anything, more than I buy them <laughs> just doing it for the shit of it. I mean, I had been wondering why it drops them off, like, not in the maze still. Yeah, same. So I, I like the theory. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just the cup going back right. to where it came from the, or whatever. It's the end of the line. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting. I also had a thought about, um, like, why we get these monologues, why we get this exposition, like, why we have to get all this nonsense. Uh-huh. It's literally because we only see what Harry sees. Yeah. It's like in order to know how fucking anything happens outside of his point of view, they have to tell us. Yeah. And in so three I'm wondering, parts, there's like the Voldemort monologue, there's the part one Barty Crouch monologue, and there's the part two Barty Crouch monologue. Yeah. So it made me wonder because y'all are like a bunch of writers and shit. How would you have written this series to not be from Harry's perspective and still achieved the connection that people have like with it. I honestly don't know if it like can be done because a plot this big, if you're viewing it through like an omniscient narrator, uh, like that's too much information. Like if you were getting like Barty villain scenes along with Harry's scenes, that's like so much information yeah and it takes away like the right. whole reveal right right so that, that's where i was like it has to be this I way think it does as much as i love to make fun of the villain monologue and just you know bad guys have to do this you know because bad guy because this is what bad guys do right. instead of just killing you i'm gonna tell you for 15 minutes about how i'm gonna kill you and then i'm not gonna kill you because somebody's gonna stop me from killing you that mono we have to get that but like in this scenario there's literally no other good way to do it and it almost makes me a little bit sad no that sad's the wrong word because i don't give that much of a shit. <laughs> but when we do depart from harry's perspective in like the opening chapters right. of book six right like to get those 
people love those and i'm almost like yeah but it kind of breaks everything a little bit yeah just a little bit of breaking it we needed it i guess and it was a great departure but at the same time there's something to be said for like only three chapters in this entire series not being from Mary's There's like one scene in the first book too, yeah. where yeah. like it's mm-hmm. from Hermione and Ron's perspective when like Hermione in sets, the yeah, yeah, and it, but like it yeah. is used incredibly sparingly, which like yeah. it never stuck out to me before. But like on yeah, this reread, since we're doing like a chapter by chapter yeah. analysis. I would edit it out. Yeah, it seems yeah. it seems inconsistent. Maybe for like the first chapters when it's done, it's yeah. like okay, this is Stylistic. a special circumstance. Like right. we're gonna get this when one Harry's scene. When Harry's a baby, and we had to get to the point yeah. where like you introduce who yeah. he is, or you yeah. get like the the one from the British um, Muggle Prime Minister. Like yeah. that's how you get the that's exposition a fun of like scene. yeah, that's, that's a fun, an extremely scene. fun scene. It's a fun one, but at the same time, it's like oh, but. This never comes, but back. it's still. Yeah. A, There's no, but that does happen, and a few of yeah. them is like they've got first chapters, yeah. like four, I uh, not five, but six, and also seven. The first uh-huh. chapters are from these other people's perspectives, right? But like it's consistently the first chapters. Yeah, I've heard that about four too. But then I also this was on another um, another Harry Potter podcast, but they pointed out, yeah, four is. A scene that's happening outside of Harry, but because Harry's dreaming it, oh yeah, through like the eyes okay, of the snake. Okay, that's a good point. Y- you're still getting his perspective on it. There's a little bit of like background knowledge. It's in that it's he wouldn't have. Up, yeah. It's more like you're seeing yeah. like the scene. You're in the it's scene like that he's up. watching, mm-hmm. and yeah. like, but you don't yeah. really see him watching it. You're not watching it from his eyes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it still counts. It does. It's like a weird, it's a weird, like, half and half thing. So here's what I think about this villain monologue, the many, many uh, villain monologues in this book. Uh, We have so many left to go over. (laughs) And then Harry gets his own at the end. He gets his own villain monologue. It's great. So here's what I think about, like, the Voldemort monologue and then the two-part Barty Crouch monologue is, like, this book is the book where the the big villain comes back, Right. And then there's yeah. this really cool Veritaserum thing. That's like a very cool thing conceptually. So like, I love the villain monologue in this book. And what I would prefer is if there had not been a Quirrell villain monologue, a ghosty memory <laughs> Tom Riddle villain monologue in book two. We get them in every book. Yeah. Um. They don't. They didn't really need to do those. Like their plans were not like this. Their plans like could have just been like a little bit of back and forth to like kind of suss out exactly what had happened. Um, So if this was like the first great villain monologue, I would uh, like it would carry more meaning because it's like this is the villain. We're here now. We're going to do the villain monologue. Yeah, but all of the yeah. previous villains also thought of themselves like as the villain. Like Quarrel definitely had delusions of grandeur, and then like the other one actually was Tom Riddle. Plus, like yeah, yeah, of course they're gonna deliver a big villain monologue because they have an inflated sense of their own importance within the story, and also they're wizards. It's drama. They're just they're all about it. It is, and he had Voldemort right in the back of his skull. Like, he kind of was Voldemort. I wonder if Voldemort was like, do the monologue. <laughs> to Coral, and it. like, really, all of these monologues have just been Voldemort this like, whole time. Tell him how fucking smart we are. <laughs> like, we practiced. <laughs> Haley, do you have any final thoughts about this chapter? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's just, it's very packed. Um, there's a lot of, like, I really enjoy this book. 
because of how convoluted it is and because of like this this chapter where you review all of the things that you forgot about because it's Uh so full like oh shit i forgot about them seeing winky like stuck running in the woods like holy shit holy shit it's like one thing after another that was 600 pages ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this chapter is a writer flex. It's like, yeah. it's so, it really does tie everything together really well. And yeah. like, and yeah, of course, you go back, you read it over, like, especially when you're older and like are doing literary you analysis on purpose. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. But the it's sense of satisfaction. Right, exactly. The sense of satisfaction that comes from like the first time you ever read it. Yeah. You're not even paying attention because you're just so satisfied to finally be getting all these answers to things that you'd stopped questioning. Yeah, your brain yeah. is so blown. There's clues in yeah. here that like the character is getting upbraided for not picking up on. Like that's that's how much stuff this is tying together. Yeah. Well, dope. I fucking loved this chapter this has been a very pleasant episode but we are probably the longest episode i've ever recorded right now (laughs) um so let's move on to plugs sound good sure let's do it i would love to start by plugging our patreon um for our april bonus episode which you can get at our five dollar a month patreon tier we did a super deep dive into the life of tom marvolo riddle ever heard of him in our very special Behind the Magical Bastards, <laughs> which is hosted by Andrew. So that's super fun. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can be a part of our online community on Discord, which is a super, super fun place to be. Zach, will you please tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and, and remind everyone where they can listen to your podcast? I absolutely will. Uh, you can find me, well, all of the things um, at belatedbinge.com. There's links to all the whole bunch of the pod players and social media and all this stuff on there. And the podcast, good Lord should be everywhere. (laughs) I surely hope. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, and what have you been like reading, watching, playing, listening to lately that you think the listeners of our podcast would enjoy? Well, in full disclosure, I have a toddler running around, uh, so gotcha. I Watches have nothing new. Yeah, like at uh, Bluey uh, is is the one. Bluey, Coco Melon. Yeah, we've started Peppa Pig, and they that whole family needs to be bacon as soon as possible. <laughs> um, but for for this crowd, I did I did want to pull back one um, for from my way back machine mm-hmm. um, that I think would be really cool for this crowd. I guess you could say. Um, these were the only books that could truly hold my attention as a teenager, which includes Harry Potter, wow. because I did yeah. not like finish this series as a teenager when I rightfully should have. Um, but ironically, similarly to Harry Potter, the author had to write under a like an abbreviation oh, okay. for fear that people wouldn't buy it if they didn't think a man wrote it because, you know, uh, but it's S.E. Hinton who is credited with like creating the young adult genre from this. Um, I'm sure you've definitely heard of the outsiders, you know, the classic, you know, made a movie about it with all the stars that went on to be absolutely huge. Um, But there are other books like that she wrote Mm -hmm. that exist within the same world. Um, So like they're all, they're all self-containing, but they cross over. Yeah. 
so there's like um, Rumblefish, that was then, this is now, Tex, like I've read all of the, plus the Outsiders, like all of those I've read like multiple oh times as a teenager. I just had a brain and, blast because I've read all of her books too because she was the first like author, sorry to like just yeah, take, take no. your plug, but like um, she was the first author where I was like, I like this author and I want to read more yeah. of what she wrote and I read like all of yeah. her books, all the ones you just mentioned and I just, my brain did a connection. This year I'm watching every single Nick Cage movie. That's my like goal for 2022. <laughs> and he's in a movie called Rumblefish. And I it just it yeah. just connected for me that that's what that is. I didn't know he was in it, but yeah, that's the I didn't know there was a movie yeah, either. I'm, uh, now I'm gonna until watch it very recently. <laughs> yeah, when I was prepping for the uh for plugging this, mm-hmm. I, I did a quick like Amazon search for the books and I was like, oh, there's a movie for Rumblefish? I didn't know that. Starring Nicolas um, Cage. <laughs> <laughs> which which is just mind-blowing. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the, like, I related the hell out of the, like, they are the, they're kind of like, uh, for me, they would be, this would be a prequel series to a show like the Sons of Anarchy. Okay. You know what I mean? These are, these are the, these are the anti-heroes. These are the kids that you, like, your mom told you were bad influences right. and not to hang out with. And you kind of get the, you, you kind of get the why they do the crazy yeah. shit that they do. And the, you know, you sympathize with them. You become on their side. Right. And I can't relate to that <laughs> any more than I do. So, uh, yeah, that would be my um, my plus. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll have to revisit S.E. Hinton because I definitely haven't read any of her stuff in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, Haley, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, hello, I've been Haley. Uh, if you must, you can follow me on Twitter at the Rit to Wit. That's that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what uh, what have you been watching, reading, playing, listening to lately? So I I revisit stuff a lot more than I get into new stuff. Um, so I've definitely Same. plugged this before at least once. Uh-huh. Uh, but recently, I rewatched uh, the. Uh, HBO series Rome, um, which nice, was like yeah. a yeah like early two thousands kind of situation, and is like you know at, like in the twenty tens there was like Spartacus and like all of these kind of sexy historical dramas, and then Game of Thrones, and then Game of Thrones was like good and felt real and gritty, and then became what it became. So like Rome was the series that started off that whole trend about it's like about the rise and fall of Julius Caesar and then like the rise of Octavian is season mm-hmm. two but it's like you know like it's like Hunger Games and all of the books that followed Hunger Games sucked like Rome mm-hmm. is like the good originator like it's well written it feels authentic all of the characters have really fascinating uh, interactions uh-huh. and like it, it feels like the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, like when awesome. it was good. Yeah, yeah. So HBO I love Rome. I know because of you, it's been on my list for some time, and it's so hard. I just in my adulthood, I'm like, that's a lot of time that I'll spend on that. That's also why I have a hard time <laughs> reading series in my adulthood because I'm yeah. like, what if I, what if, what if I get to the end and it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a commitment. Even though I yes. trust you that Rome will be worth it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it is it, a it is, commitment. It, it is like, you know, HBO, like before they had that sweet, sweet Game of Thrones money, they had a couple of uh, series around that same time, like Deadwood, same situation that were like really, really good, but then like kind of cut off in season two. So the end feels a little rushed, but it's still uh-huh. good. It's still well done. Nice. Awesome. Well, I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. Uh, and this week I'm going to plug Bob's Burgers. Because I haven't, I've been reading Mistborn, which is taking a long time. 
So uh, I haven't been, I don't have any new books to plug. Um, so I'm just going to plug Bob's Burgers. You know, I love it. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really important chapter and I'm really glad we had you on to really like sort through it together. No, this was awesome. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah, and definitely check out Belated Binge because it is a really cool, um, very unique Harry Potter podcast. And soon you'll hear a familiar voice, which yeah. I'm stoked about. <laughs> I know. I'm, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. So yeah, stay tuned for updates about that. And Haley, as always, thank you for being my co-chair. Anytime. I'm trying to think of new <laughs> words that are like co- <laughs> co-words. All right, gang, I got to go finish reading. Veritaserum will set you free before this book starts fighting the mind control I've put on it. Bye. The Restricted Section is a member of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features other amazing podcasts such as its namesake, The Movie Night Crew, which is an extra chaotic podcast featuring the gang just shooting the shit about whatever movie they just watched. Alrighty. It's movie night. Grab your popcorn. Grab your coffee. Grab your friend. Grab a cat. Let's go. Who directed this? What year did it come out? Is that that girl from that show? Who wrote this? Where's the cat? Who would you rather bang? Pass the popcorn. Does this pass the Bechdel test? What about the Steve Buscemi test? Does a woman literally speak in this movie? Oh my god, a dog. This reminds me of in Harry Potter when... Are we recording? What do the critics say? It's a guilty pleasure. What's your rating? Can you be quiet? Oh my god. Movie night crew. It's just like watching movies with your friends. And then arguing about it after. Every Sunday, wherever you get podcasts. The Restricted Section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. I really don't ever do this, but I think once we get to the monologue, I I almost want to go through it like line by line. Actually read it. Yeah, because it's mm. like it's like that important. Yeah. So this may be a bit of a long recording, but this is I mean, this is like the whole book in yeah. like this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the recap, like in a heist movie where it's yeah. like, yeah. and here's how we pulled it off. <laughs> right. Right. Save your jokes, Haley. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.